have no sense of time, Allison. Also, time is a construct, you know? So I'd say nice to meet you, but we always met. Or we never have. I wish. Oh, or, yeah. Oh, wow. Thanks. Okay. You're right. This is all just some weird spice trip that I'm having. Oh, I'm boy. actually just lying on the sidewalk outside of you guys' place right now. You never open the door. Now you're dying in the 300 Kelvin heat. Yeah. Guys, it's 300 Kelvin right now. It feels like it. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're not live. Well, I know. I just thought it was as, a, as a distinction, I don't think you've ever made before. I don't think I've ever talked about whether or not it was being recorded at all. So we're not live. We are not actually live from Arrakis, Dune, Desert Planet. He said it like three or four times in yeah. this movie. It made yeah. me laugh every time. Just like, but he only said it when he was dreaming. He said it was uh, in his mind. He thought it later. Yes. Before he gave his stuff. So weird internal monologue to have. Like I don't. I don't think about my you know, Philadelphia. Cradle of Liberty. Brotherly City of Brotherly Love. love. Yeah. <laughs> every time. No, I do. Actually, every time I think about Philadelphia. <laughs> oh my god, there's so much. Well, we should introduce ourselves. We should. We probably should. Once again, Allison Litany of Fear, you coolest. I am Hunter Bush, and my name is a killing word. Mm. Uh, and I'm special guest. Carter the Sleeper Must Awaken. Porton. We're talking about Doom! Doom! Oh, buddy. Yeah, that was a movie. 1984. Wow. Directed by David Lynch. Directed by David Lynch. The one and only. Nay Alan Smithy. <laughs> uh, yeah. For those of you who are not big movie nerds, Alan Smithy is an industry thing for basically if you want your name like anonymous on a project. Apparently it's... It's a nom de... I don't want to be associated yeah. with this. Yeah, it has to do with um, Directors Guild regulations and things. You can't not have a director's credit, you know, according to Guild Law or whatever. It's much like Venture Brothers. They'll send yeah. out henchmen. Are you, are you familiar with this, Carter? Are you a Guild member? I am not a Guild member. Oh, I am okay. super close to being a member of the Stage Actors Guild. Oh, okay. yeah? Um, and I, I don't know if my information is 100% correct. This is what I But that makes sense. To be true, yeah. You know, because you, you can't have a, a studio-produced film, at least, that doesn't have that credit that would really undermine the whole point of having a union. Yeah, and I also think um, that I read somewhere that, like, Alan Smithy is too well-known now, so there are a couple of, like, thing you could make up a pseudonym just for this of course, film, of course. and I believe some directors have done that, but yeah, I think there's a couple, now there's a few, like, oh, you can use this if you don't want your name on it, things, not just Alan Smithy, which I believe is A-L-A-N, and then Smith and two E's. All right. Okay, yeah, let's... So yeah, Dune... Uh, 1984, based off of a uh, book of the same name. Yeah. That is a uh, science fiction classic. By Frank E. Bear. No, it's Frank Herbert. Uh, <laughs> I was like, is that his middle name? Frank no. E. Bear. No. 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 Famous French author. No. Mm. Frank E. Bear. He's being a gigantic weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Fun with pronunciation. There's a lot of shit to pronounce in this. Oh my god, yeah. there is. There's well, also so much expository dialogue. There are, at the very least... Four modes of giving you information in this movie. Yeah, they really should have picked one. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so Dune itself is not a long book, 
but it is a dense book in terms of the amount of world building that you're doing. Yeah, so doing it in a film, and this doesn't even have a skimpy runtime either. It was like two, two hours and two change, 215, yeah. 220 something maybe. So, yeah. This but is also, I should mention, one of the quote-unquote like director cuts. I don't necessarily agree with this because I think rules are meant to be broken, but you should know the rules uh, so that you can break them. But they, you know, the rule of writing is that like technically narration is lazy writing. Oh, yeah. And I get that. I get why that's a rule. I also, there's, you can name a bunch of movies that are amazing movies that have narration in them. Yes. Uh, in, in, you know, internalized monologues and things, blah, blah, it's great. This movie has that. They maybe should have stuck to just that. Yeah. But then there is, hold on, I made yeah, a list. There is, there is narration. Um, Omniscient narration from uh, the princess of the known universe. Who, yeah. by the way, just doesn't matter in this film No, she all. shows up in the last scene. Yes. And I don't know if she, she does nothing. She doesn't have a line. She yeah. doesn't say anything to him. And Allison told me in the books. Right. Her and, importance exists in the books, yes. but not on film. Right. And like, that's totally right. lost in translation. And not, For me, even, not even larger, because uh, there are a number of Herbert books and Dune universe books. But not even in those, like in the... In Doom. Yeah, in proper Doom, yeah. she's a little bit more important and has a little bit more to do and is more relevant, which would make more sense for why she is narrating this. But man, oh, yeah. it's yeah. not in this movie. It is so... Yeah. And she's so dead-eyed when it opens. Yes. Um, <laughs> Although, honestly, so how, how much is she supposed to emote as a narrator? Uh, fair, you but know? why is she the narrator? So she's the omniscient narrator. There's yes. also, we get tons, all kinds of characters' thoughts, not just... Yeah. As we'll yeah. learn, there's like space magic witchcraft and stuff. It's not even just the witches. Like we hear everybody's thoughts. It's not just other people hearing people's thoughts. Like we just get their internal thoughts. Mm -hmm. There is mountains of expository dialogue from pretty much everybody, especially the first third of the movie. Yes. Especially like, the Harkonnens. I feel like they're just there to be like evil and explain yeah. what makes them evil. Yeah. And then there is in, you know, our hero Paul's uh, introductory scene, he is doing some fancy book mm. learning that is even more reiterating. Oh, yeah. So I feel like this is educated guesswork. I feel like that was Lynch's info dump of everything you need to know. And studios were like, I watched three minutes of this movie and I don't know all the plot points. Tell me the plot points. And Lynch was just like, shut up. Yeah. There's a whole scene where we learn everything we need to know. And they're like, no, no, no. Add a narrator, <laughs> which makes no sense. I did love her opening narration, though, because she's like, and here is everything you need to know. Oh, wait, I'm back. I have to tell you yeah. one more thing. Yeah. Then she, twice. Then she tells you. No, but wait, there is one more thing. Okay. I'll, I'll see you in a minute, movie. Bye-bye. And she, then she, yeah, then she disappears, and it's for long, weird stretches. That's a that's a big thing for me. If you're gonna have narration in a movie as a as a yeah. plot mover device, it should be fairly consistent, not not constant. Like it, sh it shouldn't be a background hum. No, but every time. like act switch. Yeah, you know. But like it's got to be a division of labor. It's got to be like okay, and now we're going to the big second act, so we'll set everything up there. Okay, mm -hmm. and then like we're going to this. But like, because there's plenty of time that passes, and yeah, there's they, whole they, chunks where she's not in it, and then and they they gloss she, over a lot. Yeah, and yeah. then she shows up again. And I'm like, oh, I forgot you were talking <laughs> yeah. to this movie lady. So is it technically her story if she's the narrator? Mm. She's presenting it to us. No, no, no. because no. and again, this is never on screen, but she's telling the story of her husband. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Future emperor of the galaxy. And that's the thing is, you have this like Paul, Orsa, Maudib, Bing Bong, uh, the third. Uh, Clancy, Atreides, Stormbreaker. Yeah, like it's Atreides. There's so many. The man it, with no name. The man with no name. <laughs> I mean, Zap Brannigan. Like, I mean, there's too so, many names. So many names. There's so much title ship and stuff. It's yeah. like trying to talk about yeah. professional wrestling. Although, I mean, 
it, that is all true of the book, and a lot of that does yeah, yeah, have oh, yeah. to do with him being a man of the people among different yes. cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, 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 and that's the same so. thing as, as uh, Mother of Dragons. Like, that's yes. the same thing. Is like yeah. Her different titles are uh, bestowed upon her by the different people she represents, and she's important to. And I get that. And that's also really well done in the books, but in this movie, it's sort of unnecessary for the most part. Yeah. And man, it's just so much... And they say stuff, uh, well, I mean, we're getting, we're getting a little ahead, but we'll, we'll circle back to the plot proper. But they say a thing, you know, um, when Paul meets the Fremen and, and the, the Fremen leader, Stilgar. Yeah, he's so just still, Big Ed. Stilgard. He's, he's the Big Ed of, for me forever. Yeah, he's but the he, guarder of the Stilt. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Stilgard. I think. Okay. Oh, or, I or thought in the credits because that makes sense. Oh, still Gar. Maybe it's Gar, but like, yeah, I, I think that's. I think just... that's the implication, though, is that he's like yeah, yeah. the protector of the water. Yeah, that's yes. Frank, Frank Herbert being like, "Oh, he yeah. protects water. He's still Gar. I'll take the D off. Still Gar. That sounds yeah. cool." And and, and now it's a name. Yeah. Right. And the so, same thing with the Fremen. It's they're free men. Yes. yes. Yeah. Just to establish, Hunter and I have read Dune, but it was uh, a bit ago for him. Yeah, a couple a, of years ago. A while ago for me. About two, two, three years ago. Yeah, I'm looking at like nine. Years. I've read the Silmarillion, so I'm very, very excited <laughs> I for am, Baron and Luthien to show up in the third act. I am very excited for uh, your Silmarillion-based commentary. Oh, I've got you. I've got you. <laughs> Eru Yuvatar, his hand is all over Paul Atreides. <laughs> That's, I promise, that'll be the last one. Just lean into it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would love for the show t-shirt design for this to just be a collection of all of David Lynch's nightmare horror babies. <laughs> Oh yeah, because yeah. like the Eraserhead baby probably still takes the cake, but yeah. there's like it's the most personal it, to him, which is yes. it, it's the one he fine tuned the most. But like there's there's some real contenders for Nightmare yeah. David Lynch baby fuel so, in this. Yeah. yeah, do we know how much of like is it the Fremen tongue or the Iraqian yeah. Wadib and stuff like that? That's Fremen. Do we you know t- you're talking about Shahalud? Well, I'm just curious how much of that because I I don't know. Oh yes, um, we're joined briefly quietly. Oh, okay. oh wow, look at that. I have a shy Hulud windbreaker hanging up. <laughs> yeah, what is uh, what is the what best? What is the origin of that? What is the best shy Hulud song? Um, oh. The best shy Hulud song is that within Blood Ill Tempered, which is like it. La- <laughs> I like it already. Yeah, it's it's a weird spoken word. The beginning starts with cannons going off. It's great. Wow, that was my roommate and future guest, Crystal Brackett. Yeah. But, uh, Do you yeah. know the origin of the name, or is that, a, or is it a Dune reference? It's a Dune oh, reference. It's a Dune reference. Oh, okay. yeah. They're uh, Matt Fox, who's like the ongoing member of Shai Hulud, um, kind of a nerd in the best way possible. Yeah. If Matt mm-hmm. Fox is listening to this, also I love you. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Matt Fox, if you'd like to be a guest, we can watch Dune again. I'm fine <laughs> with go. that. Perfect. I felt like I needed to share that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so apparently, and this is on the Dune wiki, but the Fremen language is a descendant of Arabic, of Earth, spoken on Arrakis by the Zensuni. Who become the Fremen? Okay, so that's canon within within the story. It's it's descended from. I it. think yeah. Yeah. space magic. <laughs> they had space magic. Ooh, that, yeah. Wait, right. did, we, did we also do that with the uh, uh, the apple? I think we did it with the apple. The apple, and then also we did. Um, oh no, it was it was the fifth element. Yeah, so we've been doing a lot of uh, mystical space things without covering Star Wars, except for when Hunter talks about I Solo. Just, I just tossed it in. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna cut it out? Yeah. Uh, I might cut it out. Okay. I'm, this is a you can drink. Out. Listen, drink <laughs> out. it's fine. If you heard that, drink. <laughs> you, honestly, I'm not a teetotaler. You guys want to drink, drink? Honestly, you should be drunk for our podcasts. It, it, it doesn't hurts. hurt. Um, <laughs> but as long as we're talking about previous episodes, uh, recently we've gone to the vacation world of Thrust and Paradise. 
And now we're taking you to Arrakis. Dune. Desert planet. So, okay. Having seen Dune um, before reading the book and then reading it, I was really glad I'd seen Dune because it gave me a fucking idea how to pronounce any of this. Because, okay, you got Paul. Got that one. <laughs> Atreides. Okay. Okay. I could probably suss that out. But then you have, like, Thufur Hawat and Muad'Dib. And, like, oh, my God. There's so much where just reading it with no context, I'm like, I don't know. But, like, it made it made things stick more in my also, mind because I could hear them. Like, know? and I'm sure, like, okay, so everyone who's listening to this and has read Dune, I'm sorry already. <laughs> but... The the fact that, I guess we'll get to this point later once we start covering the plot, but I just wanted to talk super quickly. There's the two years that the Fremen are attacking Arrakis and, and halting all spice, and the one, they bring in this one guy who's uh, survived, this one Harkonnen has survived a recent attack by the Fremen, and he just keeps on repeating Moadib, Moadib, because that's the literally the killing word that they use, which is just so super, super cool. First off... But I was curious because the Fremen are like, no one knows anything about them. They think there's like, you know, a hundred of them max. How does anyone know what the word Moadib, even what kind of a word it is, yeah. much less what it means? One is immediately the, like, yeah. who is this Moadib? And I was like, this yeah, is Yeah, one of the henchmen is like, he's repeating that name. And I'm like, dude, it's just like nonsense. You know, it's a name. Yeah. yeah. It could literally just mean, like, fire. His jaw could be broken. Yeah. He's trying to say mommy. You know, like... Yeah, although so although he is Harkonnen, so how else would he have heard that if not from the Fremen? Oh, yes, because the Harkonnen were in charge. Yes. There are so many cool as shit concepts yes. in this movie. The highest of concept I think I've ever seen. It's just, like, fastball after fastball after fastball. Yeah, Dune, Dune itself, ideas. I mean, we've, we've talked... We're barely talking about the actual film, but Dune itself as a whole is incredibly influential. I'm um, sure whoever wrote the screenplay for Tremors would not have got there without Dune. <laughs> I'm positive. Dude, I love Tremors. Oh, Tremors is a fantastic film. So interestingly, or maybe not, um, Spice as a term for like some kind of like drug, you know, or semi-psychedelic or whatever. Mm-hmm. That makes its way into, uh, I mean, actually solo, but the Star Wars universe Yes. Forever, like since Expanded Universe. Because that's started. how the, the huts make yeah. their money, is yeah. spice, which is also on a desert planet. And, um, and also the phrase, the water of life, is another, it's a, it's a similar thing in mm. Dune as it is in the Star Wars universe. There's a... There's a water of life yeah, in Star Wars? I believe, I believe it's water of life, and there's something of knowledge. Huh. And let's really dive into the film. Let's. So we did talk about the okay. yeah, narration. Well, so the narration, and then also you get your title cards. I don't know if I realized that Toto and Brian Eno did the music. Yeah. Uh, not like together. No. Uh, Brian Eno did like a major. Um, What's the theme? It's, it is the prophecy yeah. theme. Prophecy yeah, theme. He did it's the basically theme. whenever, yeah, whenever yeah. Paul's destiny comes into play, you get this like nice, it's very Brian Eno y, airy, oh, and beautiful. like, beautiful. It's, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Little classical yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. Spotify, yeah. Apple music oh yeah honestly just put all the fucking brian you know you can put and it's great and also like not as someone who's a huge fan of toto but as someone who is a huge fan of toto's i I bless the rings yeah well it's yeah yeah i do i do want to underscore yes it is that toto it is i bless the rings down in africa and they do it is 80s like they do a really good job yeah the score for the most part is great i was really expecting like Some crazy, juxtaposed 80s, like, 
hairband. It's a little it... weird, just because um, usually yeah. in a movie like this, you aren't going to get electric guitars for this. They yes. tend to but do orchestral themes, but it's not a bad choice. And the, the it... electric guitars do not really make an appearance until the third act. Yeah. Which point, like, I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Like, it happens at like a, a battle charge battle. moment, yeah. and you're just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, like, they're riding works. a sandworm, and you're like, I could see this being a music video. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it's easily, fun. easily. And it's not like crazy. It's not if you're familiar with Toto, this won't surprise you. But it's not like you know Eddie Van Halen. Like, it's, it's it's just chiming like it's electric a, guitar chords. It's a Lots reasonable of amount of guitar. It's great. Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, like honestly, one of the better parts of the film. Yeah. I, would say. I think yeah. as far as having as um, current musicians score films, I think the '80s like really really nailed it. Oh, because like Tangerine Dream did a bunch of film scores, and they're all really good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes way better than the movies. Yes. Um, yes. Tangerine Dreams. Um, oh yeah. Soundtrack with. Oh, I was actually thinking Queen soundtrack for Highlander. Oh, oh it's yeah. better than the actual film. Yeah. Just and I like the film, that. but the soundtrack. Oh, no, is, that is was great. like a very important film for me growing up, and I recently rewatched it, and it is. Doesn't hold up. So. It so does not hold up. So, so I, ha- I haven't seen Highlander, so stay tuned. So Carter, um, so yeah, maybe you can come back. We'll do future oh, episode Highlander. Is that? Oh, oh yes. I actually I considered Highlander for this episode, <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, I just like I watched it a couple days ago, and I was like, I I, I can't right. watch this twice in one week. I got you. Oh, Highlander. So, uh, we uh, have we got past the narration? I don't no. think we have. No, uh, slightly. I yes. started with the title cards. Yes. Talking about, yeah. Right. Yeah. So Brian we have Brian Toto. Toto. Yeah, the score's really good. The was, music is very good throughout yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got a, a couple of, you know, actors. Like, yeah, this is Kyle McLaughlin's yeah. first project yeah. with oh, David Lynch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Kyle this McLaughlin. Is a great cast. If you don't know Kyle McLaughlin by name, but you have seen Twin Peaks, you know Kyle McLaughlin. Yes. And, he is our yeah. Our very yeah. dear and Blueville, yeah. Cooper. Yeah, he, he works with David Lynch pretty frequently. Yeah. Yeah. David Lynch really loved yeah. him. And like yeah. I can get I can see why. Yeah. Like Kyle McLaughlin is a really good everyman. Yes. He's he, wonderful. He really is. And like I've seen him in a, a couple things. He appeared on the Agents of Shield. Yes. Um, yes, he did. More recently, he and he's on, good on it. Like, he had a really. I never watched um, uh, Desperate Housewives, but think. he's huh. one of the husbands, and apparently he's like one of the better parts of that series. And he's also, I think, his biggest role outside of anything he's done with David Lynch is he's the mayor in Portlandia, and he. Yes, is, that's right. Yeah. He's just a dream. He's yeah. such a great guy. Maybe because of his work with David Lynch, but he's a guy that gets tone and yes like he gets how to be weird but not like you know not like ruining something like Mm -hmm. heightening it by being like odd it's odd Mm -hmm. everybody loves blue velvet but blue velvet wouldn't work with it's like that thing of um how eric stoltz was nixed out of back to the future and they recast with michael j fox yeah no where i love eric stoltz i think he's a great actor but he wouldn't be you can't imagine it yeah he wouldn't be right in that movie i feel like it's a meaner movie bringing up the um that comic lachlan played dale cooper fun fact i don't know so Nick Cage worked with David Lynch right before when they did Wild at Heart, which is the movie that I also almost picked. And David Lynch had a blast. And like, honestly, it's one of the best things Nick Cage has ever done. I love his performance. I love that movie. It's such, it just warms my heart. He almost played Dale Cooper. Oh. Because it was just off the heels. We talked about, uh, what? on a previous episode of The Apple, we talked about imagine the world where The Apple hit. It just didn't hit right. But imagine, we've talked about this on that episode, like imagine the world where that hit. Imagine the world, imagine the world where Nicolas Cage was Dale Cooper. Like imagine that. 
Hunter is a Nicolas Cage fan. Oh, huge. oh, if I see that Nicolas Cage is in your movie, I will see your movie because he is almost never disappointing. Usually either really bringing it and being like, I'm going to act in this, I'm really going to try. Or yeah. he's just like, fuck it and swinging for the fences. And I like both of them yeah. for totally different reasons. No, um, yeah. I mean, like, because every, everybody treats him like he's a hack. And the thing is, he's done some really, yeah, really great incredible. movies. Yes. He's done some great movies. And he's he's yeah. done really great performances in movies that are like, meh. Yeah. Otherwise. But, you know, it's just that he works a lot and yeah. has and a like, listen, big he, catalog and not all of them are going to be... Nicolas Cage has know. made some crazy life choices um, yeah. and, ha- and also had some, you know, good luck, some bad luck, some, you know, whatever. And he's got bills to pay, man. Cutting this out. So there is also, um, there are a couple of credits, you know, specifically well, front loaded about the creature effects and the visual effects yes. and stuff. Oh, and yeah. this is a very creature and visual effects heavy film. And oh, honestly, also a lot of nailing it, man. Yeah, like, there's a lot of a great, lot of nailing I mean, it and a lot I mean, of total the, misses. The the, the well, set design, the costume design, yes, yes. and a lot of the creature stuff are legitimately good. You so do good. get some unfortunate green screening, but it's yeah, the eighties. So yeah, if you how, grade on the curve of this was 1984, and despite you know it being a major studio movie, it was still a limited budget. Mm-hmm. Um, for for a studio film because and for uh, you know this for them, scale of a project right exactly for oh my god the scope of this thing is insane it's insane um, it's so fucking nuts and also for them uh, David Lynch was an unproven director well he was coming right off the heels of yeah, yeah. Uh, Elephant Man right that but, doesn't mean that the yeah, studios but it's like, are as, going to recognize it's only that that's second a, film that's yeah. basically and, technically like a prestige picture yes and this is a studio like tentpole like they this wanted is a blockbuster yeah they yeah. wanted Star Wars yeah. yeah this is you know 1984 so it's it. a year after no. uh, the Star Wars trilogy no. ended and it was time for more Star Wars. Um, so and what better than Frank Herbert's Doom novel for the next Honestly, honestly if, yeah. yeah, if you were going to put money on something, that's not a bad yeah. choice. No, but you need to you need to pace it the way Star Wars is paced. Um, and this movie is basically like if all of the Star Wars trilogy was squeezed into two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. And yes. that's madness, dudes. It yeah. really is. That's, I My think dudes the, and ladies, it's madness. The, yeah. the pacing you, for this film, I think, you, is the you, trickiest you, you Yeah, time really passes in a weird more. way that you're not really aware of. You yeah. Know? And that's why uh, 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 our narrator has to... Oh, hello, yes, I'm back. And then this happened, and they're falling in love, and oh, a baby. Okay, I'm going away now. Oh, but one more thing. And it just keeps popping in, man. And and again, you were saying that they're using so many devices just to get information across because we don't have time to show it to you long form. Also, I don't understand what the creative choice was for having everyone whisper their internal monologue as if they were afraid that other people could hear their thoughts. And I understand that people can, <laughs> so, yeah, but gonna say, they're going to hear you whether you whisper your thoughts or not. And like when people are whispering, it's so much harder to differentiate everyone's voices. <laughs> so there will be three people on screen and then you realize Big Ed Hurley is the person who's been monologuing this whole time. And I was like, oh, I thought that was Paul Atreides. Right. I like the idea of a world where everybody is such dune nerds that like... Like they're heckling the movie like, hey, could you speak up? I'm not a Bene Gesserit out here. Uh, it's never going to happen, but it's such a fun idea. In the world where Dune was as big as Star Wars. Yeah. Imagine, that world. Imagine the world where this hit. Or, or where they structured it so that this was just like a trilogy and like it did the first third of this movie. Imagine that world I where mean, this hit. I can. 
I, I think it's the world we live know. in now, but I think it's I think it's twenty years earlier. I think it's like the world where like being a nerd and reading like oh. nerd shit isn't. So instead of like out, you're not ostracized. Spider-Man Two and Batman. Oh yeah. Or like Dark Knight. I mean Dark Knight especially. Yeah. Being like one of those heralds of a cultural shift. I think sci-fi. I think instead of the long gap between like Star Trek ending and you know J.J. Abrams' new Star Trek. Yes. I think they would have been like, oh, we'll just we'll just reboot it and keep going. Like, yeah. That would have. I, mean, might have, I think science fiction would be. We would have a moon base. Yeah, that's what I think. Probably would. You know, if we never took. We would not have a fucking Harkonnen in office. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because we do. Oh man, yes, watching this, do. I was just like, yeah. It's it's really upsetting, but also maybe we're gonna run Arrakis. It's gonna be great. <sighs> we're gonna put up the vibrating wall thing. It's gonna be great. We're gonna keep out all the fremen. I'm gonna have a gold pyramid. We're gonna spaceship. have a gold pyramid spaceship. He would though. My nephew oh, is Sting. My God, <laughs> oh my god! Oh, no. I, I thought, I thought, I thought the gold pyramid spaceship was the Emperor's. Uh, that oh, is the yeah. Emperor's. That's not the uh, Emperor of the Universe. universe. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's right. Way uh, to pay attention, nerds. No, no, my okay. fault. Okay. Um, First time viewing this film. I apologize <laughs> if I missed a couple things. Yeah, there's a lot. There's yeah, a lot to yeah. Unload. That's um, that's that's true and fair. And, and who plays the Emperor? It's uh, Miguel Ferrar's. Father. Oh yeah, it is M- Miguel Ferrar's father. Jose, Jose Ferrar. Ferrar. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, who was I thought you know very good and yeah. commanded your attention. Yeah. He's kind of in, he's kind of a bookend. He appears mostly in the beginning and mostly he at the is. end. He's got like one scene in the middle. He's slightly more less of a bookend than his daughter. Yeah. But only slightly. Why did it end when it did? Why didn't we stay an, for another five minutes? It is an abrupt to ending. see Paul Atreides kill the emperor because. I figured that's what would happen. He literally can speak and open a hole in the ground. I figured Dude, you great. just you become the emperor. He does, but he doesn't kill him. Yeah, yeah. so he like he does it politically. It's, it's yeah, a political marriage. In. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. but no. like you're set up for it perfectly. Literally, all you need is another book and narration going. And that's how I met my husband. And right. you're done. He yelled at my dad, who then died. <laughs> and now we are married. <laughs> he tore him apart by the movie. power of his mere voice. Dude, it's so yeah. dope. Yeah. yeah, no, he ends up marrying her, and then uh, the Fremen woman that he's uh, actually involved, in love with, yeah, yeah. Uh, is like his like concubine, like yes. you know, uh, the side John. Yeah. So she's yeah, like side John. Um, side John. Yeah. Also, I I believe in um, the uh, a tree's culture and stuff like that. Like his mother's a concubine. Yes, his mother so. is a concubine. When Paul comes before the Emperor and her at the end of the at the very very end, he's won this strategic military victory. He comes forward and he he describes himself as one of the Fremen people. So I was wondering if he took all of their customs. Yeah, you know maybe he would not pay so much attention to the whole like concubine. Also, like that's a fun family habit to have. He's the Kisat Tanarak. So I always read it as Kisat, but in this they say Kisat. It starts with the Kisats. Kisat Tadarak. That's well, what I said. There's so much terminology in this thing. Yeah, at least in terms of the film, you're not getting uh, too many to follow. You're getting enough. No, I mean, that there's, there's color. There are a couple of things where, like I said a little bit ago, a little unnecessary. The, 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 the Fremen make a proclamation when they um, accept Paul into their ranks, saying, like, whatever is your private name only used amongst us, and then your public name that we will say, you know, in front of people and blah, 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 is, you know, up to your, your choosing. It's 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 kind of like well, uh, getting I, baptized. You get I, to, I thought it was there. that they said that they were going to name him Usul. Usul is his private name yeah. that they only use. They say that in the film. Yeah, but yeah. so I'm saying, yeah, okay. But my I, point I, is, why okay. do we need that? In the film, like, because then after that, they, they're just calling him Usul a bunch, and I'm like, okay, well, he's, he's yeah. calling him Maudid. Like, that's the important one. 
I, it's just a thing where I get why it makes sense in the books. It adds it adds texture and flavor to the Fremen people, but like in the movie, it's like, can we cut some shit, please? Again, just two movies. Well, that's I mean, Denny. Denny Villeneuve. I don't know how to say any of these. Villeneuve, I think maybe it's like it's pronounced. Denis Villeneuve. So let's dive into the plot. Yes. Um, I do want to mention we we open with uh, a party. That's a great title. The Emperor of the Known Universe's uh, house. Um, and all the sets are amazing. Like every set, there will be plenty of pictures up on the social media because like I, I I stopped making notes at one point where I was just like. I'm just going to take a picture of basically every set because they're Cause all It's great. incredible. Yeah. Uh, set design, 10 like, out of 10. But I want, uh, like, there will be they, definitely a picture or possibly a video or a boomerang of uh, the guy who's walking like nine bulldogs. That's the first note I made. It so, made me so happy. There are, <laughs> we see a total of 10 dogs in space. Yeah, there's so nine many. Nine of them are bulldogs and one of them is a pug. And it's like, where'd you get that pug from? Doesn't matter. Also, the pug survives a terrorist attack. Yeah, there's, there's, there's another, this will also be on social media. There's going to be a video of that dog running by a corpse like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm free! Oh, I love Thomas it. Thomas gained his freedom. So, wait, we said nine, ten dogs? There were, there were like nine bulldogs, yeah. and he was just like... And, and then, uh, one cat. Yeah, there's one cat oh, who yes. duct taped to a rat. Yes! What? I didn't see the rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Only the close-up. I feel like the rat yeah, is a the vanishing. Yeah, when you saw it. Yeah, and I, my immediate first thought was like, I have made a pigeon rat. <laughs> uh, for fucking The Simpsons. They seriously, it's just a rat duct taped to yeah. one of those hairless sphinx cats. <laughs> also... What a humiliating food. punishment! Yeah, he's Milk got this this cat's teat every day, and that will give that will give you the, the antidote, antidote to your poison. poison. Yeah. It's gonna give you the antidote. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, that's my that's my Baron Harkonnen the whole time. Yeah, it's it's spot on. It's really good. I my favorite nickname for Baron Harkonnen is the fizzy lifting Baron. Oh my god, yeah. Because it there's like a weird I don't know for me at least there were a couple like Willy Wonka elements. <laughs> it's because they have him jetting around all Willy yes! and Nilly. Willy He's Wonka Nilly. Yeah. yeah. All Nilly Wonka. <laughs> Uh, in the book, it's explained he's too heavy to walk under his own power because he's a, you know, a gluttonous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I seriously either remembered or thought that his legs should have been more shriveled. Mm. I think they try oh. to make them look, you know, like, unusable by, like, padding him out more. Yeah. But, like, yeah, whatever. Kind of like, do you guys, um, did you ever play Jack 2? Jack and Dexter? There's a very specific character who, like, gives you mercenary work, essentially, but he's this very fat man who has, like, like a metal ring around him that's kind of just like a hover disc. Dr. Robotnik is kind of like that. Yes, Sonic yeah, that same games. idea. Oh, so what is, so the emperor in the midst of his party takes a, a visitor. Who the fuck, what are these, they look like the Borg and they have the giant space scrotum in a tank. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, um, they're from the, the League or the Union. The, the Guild. The Guild. Of, 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 what is it? Calamitous Intent. It's no, Venture Brothers. No, it's the, tra- <laughs> it's the Trading Guild. It's like the major, oh, okay. they're the merchants of the universe. Okay, and um, so that thing... That's one of the pilots. Yeah, and that breathes spice. I, I is that what it is? I don't think yeah. so, but I don't. It's I, been so honestly, changed. By I don't. Spice. I don't recall the uh, the books. There is there there is expository dialogue yeah. about this, but like man, it went yeah. right past me. This it's, yeah. it's literally this one movie sentence is front loaded with so it, much information. But it is an excellent creature design. It's yeah, cool. it's this it's this crazy worm thing in a tank. Yeah. Uh, Which even the tank is cool, man. The tank was super cool. I did have a thing where they're like, you know, it's a whole thing where they speak, their mouths move, and then... There's a translator. Well, no, there's a different... You hear a different thing. It's like, but it doesn't match up to their mouths moving. They're not actually going... 
And then they have like an old timey radio microphone that they hold in front of them that translates it to English. And it's real cool and weird and David Lynch. I totally. And they're like, you're awesome. going to, you know, our boss is coming. And then the doors open and this thing slides in. And like, I get why it works because it's a soundstage and whatever. But like, can you imagine if you, if yeah. you were this thing and you flew all the way to like, you know, the emperor's party and you're like, this door is too narrow. I can't <laughs> I had bring this, him to me. I had the same thought where, you know, luckily so everything's lucky. standardized. Yeah. That, that fits sure. perfectly it's kind of like, that door. It's kind of like, like, but uh, yeah, it's, it looks like a big black train. Yeah, at it looks first, like it's some kind of yeah, and, and then hover the, thing, and then the front like slides, slides open. open very slowly and mechanically and steam powered and gorgeously. Yeah, yeah. And it's this so weird glass yeah. tank with yeah. this. Yeah. It's like it's a like whole a bunch of alligator tank. elbow skin with a couple little tiny little toothpick arms and, and a weird. Yeah, it's Crane's grumpy now. older brother. Yeah, is what it is. It's, it's, it's like it's like a less wrinkly though. It is probably yes. because he's so well hydrated. Yeah, he's just stretched out. Yeah, uh, and it's got a weird little fucking like sphincter nose mouth face, all purpose hole. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like <laughs> the uh, the spice is just like going in or out. I think it's out. But who could tell? Yeah, it's just uh, that's what that's why it's contained in this tank. I yeah, suppose. Yeah, it's like a crimson smoke. Yeah, and but they, it's so high that it can bend the reality, the fabric yeah. of space time, and that's Which is the coolest. One of the crazier concepts in this is that like a being, it's it's something that has been changed by its like constant exposure to spice into this thing. Like they didn't find a Yoda. It's like the idea that if like Yoda used to look like me. And then I did so much cocaine that I became Yoda. <laughs> my skin turned green. Yeah, like that's kind yeah. of the idea is that this was a thing that looked like a normal kind of person. And then it, it's so just covered and drenched in spice that it becomes this weird floaty brain sack mm -hmm. uh, that can, yeah, then think its way and think across the galaxy. Which we do just... get a very ambitious sequence of about halfway through the film. It's so weird. It's, it's yeah. weird, but also like really cool to just see what David Lynch tried to visualize as space travel, space travel. In, in terms like of like yeah something, bending. something mental and not you yeah know. focusing yeah. your thought energy to travel across space yeah. and time and mm -hmm. my favorite thing is to think to see that that sequence and think this makes sense to David Lynch oh of course it does. Because I'm like, I kind of get it, but I, I wouldn't be able to describe it, really. No, it kind he of... had to shoot his mouth laser at the planet he was at, and then shoot his mouth laser at the planet he wanted to But he's to in, like, to. a floating gelatinous cube. No, but that was... He, he was, like, uh, doing some kind of, like... Astral projection. Astral projection. He was astral projecting. So I think. It he was glowing like astronomically orange. projecting. That's Ooh, true. nice. Good job. <laughs> um, so the cube was like a doorway then, because that's like the space between spaces thing, and it's where like the, the cube that the Ben Jesuit. No, because like in that sequence, like there's a big orange kind of CG, like you know, proto CG, like visual effect thing that just looks like jiggly jello. Oh, yes. And then it's it's astral projection form like flies up into it, and that's when we get like the jelly stuff moving around it's weird yeah. oh, that might have been the actual process of the, bending the space. space yeah so cool yeah it's that, awesome. that so could have cool. possibly been a four-dimensional representation done in three dimensions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point um so the emperor's plan is that the harkonnens will rid him of house atreides now why is that important to him i mean i missed it 
I believe it's that House Atreides is going to be given control of Arrakis for political reasons, okay. but that he doesn't actually want them to. Yeah, right. And that's so... the thing is at the end of this movie again, as Carter mentioned, like nobody kills the Emperor or mentions that he's like the bad guy, but like he. But Paul Atreides knows. He, yeah, he set this into motion, and I just couldn't figure out. I think a lot of it is, again, like the whole thing of diplomacy being a hand-tying endeavor, where you cannot actually act the way you want to act because it has further repercussions beyond just, like, the immediate. I feel like I also got some seeds that were planted of, like, that one Bene Gesserit priestess who's with the emperor... The the floating space brain comes in and is like, you must kill Paul Atreides too. Yes. That's the first time we get him yeah. mentioned. And he's yeah. like, oh no, you mean his father, Duke Leto Atreides. That's whom I, like, wants to displace him politically. I right, think it comes out of the, a fear right. of the rising power of the should, Atreides. I, so yeah. he gives them more power. Is, so is that what it is? It's that Don't he fears that if the Atreides run Arrakis and therefore have control of the spice, that then they'll be able to usurp him as emperor? But if that was the fear, so just that's, don't that's the thing. give them I, I Arrakis. Don't, I don't quite recall yeah. what happens in the book. No, but and, again, but I'm just trying to yeah, go from the movie, and I yeah, miss the movie does not do a good job of setting up what the Emperor wants. They do a great job of setting up that the Emperor is the one who's moving these pieces right. and toying with the Atreides in the Harkonnens. Yeah, so it but, seems like the Legally Not the Borg and the Space Brain yes. guy in the tank. It could also possibly be that... So uh, there there are tensions between uh, Atreides and Harkonnen and, and have been historically. It might be him just trying to keep that perpetuated because them infighting... Because would that prevent saves. anybody from actually oh, trying that to usurp well. him. That would be... But if the Harkonnens wipe out the Atreides, then... Yeah, but he wasn't actually trying to get that to happen. He was just trying to... They said that's his plan. Is it? Me. Okay. Yeah. But, oh, but wait, the space brain thing says there are plans within plans, so yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Okay, so... But then, 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 Sir Patrick Stewart shows up. Yes, he oh does. My God. And he doesn't play Kyle MacLachlan's dad. And I'm very upset about that. He popped up, and I was like, please be his dad. No. Please be his dad. And he wasn't. No. But he has a weird, like, bald mullet. He starts with the Picard, and yes. then time passes, and it grows out. Okay. This movie was in 1984, and he looks the same as he does yes, now. Yes, he truly man. does. Dude, yeah. He did not age. No. At all. Yeah, and he's more or less there to uh, make sure that the young Paul Atreides is well trained. Yeah, he's part of the inner circle of the House of Atreides, uh, along with the doctor played by um, uh, Dean Stockwell, yes. Al from Quantum Leap. Yes. Um, who will shortly be revealed to be a turncoat, but he's a double turncoat. It's a coat and a coat. He's got such weird eyebrows. Right There's so many weird eyebrows in this fucking movie, man. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's that's part of the fashion and the art. No, but can there's we talk also about a lot that? of weird haircuts? Yes. There's, there's, there's a weird lot hair, of but there's the... weird eyebrows specifically. Yes. <laughs> but also the the Harkonnens are doing a lot of the reverse mohawk, which is what it sounds like, just yep. a buzz down the center. But yeah. see, that makes sense because that's like a cultural thing for the Harkonnens, and I was like, okay, terrible right. hair choice, but yeah. like that's the terrible it's, hair choice that's a part of their culture. But the the bushy brow is yeah. like a universal good look by the seams of it. Because we've got guys with the Atreides yeah, who guys have, the we've Atreides. guys with the Harkonnens. There's even a weird bushy brow guy with the Fremen, isn't there? Yeah. So it's like, univ- in, in the known universe, bushy brows are hot. Yeah, like somewhere in, somewhere in the Dune universe, there's the Dune equivalent of Tiger Beat, and whoever's on the cover that month has like enormous curled back eyebrows that go halfway up their foreheads. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to speculate 
in men, usually as you age, your eyebrows become more unruly. Yes. And so that could possibly be a sign of wisdom. Yes. So no beards for wisdom. We have bushy brows. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Also. Instead yeah. of the wizard beard, you get the, the curly brow. brow. Yeah. Yes. All right. Fair enough. Boy, it's, and in it's fact, a weird look, though. In fact, I am surprised that there's not brown mascara in evidence because you'd think that that would be a thing. 100% oh, yeah. Where, yeah. You're, where you're reinforcing that. Yeah, you gotta, you yeah, gotta keep the you're, volume. You're young and voluminous yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, eyebrows um, full of wisdom. So, for those of you who have seen uh, The Labyrinth and remember David Bowie's brows and that, it's like that but less manicured. Yes. Yeah. Also, on the spectrum of wacky fictional brows, uh, David Bowie's is more on the glam end. Mm. And, for instance, Brad Dourif in this film is, he is a wild man who has come out of the forest to eat my skin. 100%. Brad Dourif in this is so squirrely. Yes. So yeah, so we get the we get a little bit of the inner circle. We get Paul Trees a little info dump about the geography of the known universe. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and uh, him and Patrick Stewart have a little sparring session where you see their little uh, weird prismatic battle shields on their belts that yeah, they, don't actually really come up much else. Well, they come up one more time, but it fails to stop a moving bullet. There's like this weird line where they're like, if the knife moves slowly, yeah. it'll well, penetrate your shield. That's taken from the, the book. Which makes sense. Yeah. But first off, they look like like Minecraft men. Like yeah, they, it so looks like boxy. that um, Dire Straits video. Yeah. Got to move these refrigerators. Like, it looks like those guys. Move these color TVs to Arrakis. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And that's what it looks like in their knife fighting. And it's pretty cool. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's real cheap and garbagey, and, but it's kind of fun but, at the yeah, same no, time. It's still a great you, idea. Yeah, and you, like, want, you want Picard and knife fight. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, it's good. Oh, always. And it's a draw. Yes. Yeah. Because he's like Paul is young and impetuous, and yeah. and the Messiah. Not yet. No, he, apparently. Oh, he's always well, he's he was born into being a Messiah. That's why they want to kill him before he can go full Messiah. You never go full Messiah. Never go full Messiah. Never go full Messiah. <laughs> we'll never look at you the same way. Actually, unless you can, then save us. <laughs> yeah, we don't need one more. That... You guys tell us to drink the flavor aid, but we do need like actual Messiah time. I think we did get some exposition that uh, his mother was supposed to have a girl and she didn't. She was. Yes. 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 And and she made the mental choice to carry a boy yeah. well, instead she, of a girl. She's uh, Benedict. Space yeah. magic yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah. the coolest. It's yeah. very cool. In, in in Dune, in the Dune universe, in the book, it's closer to like feeling like real witchcraft and magic than, you know, the, the Jedi. The Jedi is just like, you either like think at something altruistically or you hate at it, and then like the effects are visible. It's focusing one energy, whereas in this, there's a lot of thought put into like, it's well, reading minds, it's harnessing your energy and sound. It's very Well, weird. also a big part of it, too, is how other characters regard them. Oh, they're witches. Getting, they're yeah, creepy witches. Yeah, you're getting mm. a lot of context of people just being like, I don't know how they do what they do, but they do it, so... And I don't, I don't like it. There's a lot of... Yeah. There's a lot of, like, the Bene Gesserit witch out of here. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, or their weirding ways. The weirding way. Yeah. It's fucking dope. Yeah, there's more mystique given to it than the Jedi in Star Wars yeah. get. Yeah, the Force is treated more like martial arts. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's your chi. And yeah. it's everything has it. Whether or not you can harness it is another right. issue. Whereas, and the Bene Gesserit is treated more like witchcraft. Yeah, where it's that you know some secrets of the universe that fucking nobody has any idea about, and yeah. we are afraid of you. Yeah, dude, it's great. Yeah. They all look really cool. All the Bene Gesserit witches are all like yeah. shaven-headed with like these Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. Uh, yeah. 
yes, like yes. outfits. It's just like I, a strange I, half donut I, around oh, the back of their heads. So yeah, cool. I, I thought of it as like Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. Terrifying. The yeah. costuming in this is oh, solid the whole time. So, okay. so gorgeous. It's weird. Well, you're dealing with different plants and different cultures, so they do definitely make an attempt at getting... They do. Yeah. And I'd say it's fairly flavors. successful. Yeah, I kind of want it to be just a little bit... Like, I feel like a lot of the materials were a little too uniform, where it yeah. ended up kind of looking like it came from the same... Yes. Yeah, like the board guys and the still suits yeah. kind of look the same. Yeah. They, have, they have tubes going in their and here's, kind of... here's my question about like, the still suits. Like, ideally, you would have four different creative departments or whatever yes. working on mm-hmm. it. But also, that's a reason why we didn't get the other Dune movie we were promised. Yeah, Yorowski's Dune. Yorowski's oh, Dune. Because yeah. he was looking at a diversity of uh, artistic talent. There was um, a documentary about... Uh, Yorowski's Dune. Yeah, yeah. yeah Yorowski's Dune, which is a movie yeah. that wasn't made. It was almost made. Yeah, had a lot of uh, creative input and was going to probably be beautiful. But also it's one of those things where, like, we never got it, so we can speculate all we want about it. Yeah, we right. can know who was involved and we can see some of the work that they were doing. But and, like, like, honestly... Just the fact that yeah. it doesn't exist allows it to be perfect in my mind. Right. Exactly. And, exactly. like, a lot of the, so. you know, thematic stuff, like, uh, Yodorowsky, um was a fan of Mobius. Uh, they worked together making comics together. Mobius was a designer on this. Um, Mobius uh, and, you know, his comics and the people, the yeah. things he he made over his career was an influence on the fifth element of previous episode. So and Star Wars. Huge. Oh yeah. And like, you know, people have problems with the fifth element because the overall story is simplistic. And if you listen to Yodorowsky talking about what he had in mind for his version of Dune, the ending is a very similar vibe. It's very like, you know, they, it, it was no less like weird, but also it was more of an artistic divergence from the source material. Like just hearing him storyboard, like talk it out. You were just like, wow, this is wildly different than the books yeah. and the film that we Got. Uh, but I do didn't want to say that the Harkonnens, all their architecture and their clothing and everything, that was all designed by Geiger for Yodorowsky. Yodorowsky. And they used those designs. I don't know how much, but some of it felt really Geiger to yes, me. Yes, it yeah. did. Like there's that thing. Yeah, there's, the, the face ship I think was part of. Yeah, uh, what face was ship, be and there's like a mouth Yodorowsky. that's yeah, belching that weird smoke on there. But it's like it. just it's just the lips. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. But that felt very. That's uh, very Geiger. Yeah, it felt very 100%. Geiger to me. Well, yeah, uh, Yodorowsky's Dune was extremely influential considering it was never actually a finished film. Yeah, basically yes. it was a bunch of people that Yodorowsky wanted to work with and thought were inspiring and visionaries and he put them kind of all in these rooms together and we're like, yeah, we're going to make this crazy movie and everybody was on board and then when it fell apart, a lot of them were like, hey, that thing we worked on, we should do that over here and for this project mm-hmm. and like that's, yeah, that's how we got Alien, that's how we got some Star Wars like stuff later down the line, some Star Trek, like it rippled out. Because you had very talented people yeah. that then had other work in yeah. similar genres. Dolly, Mick Jagger. Yeah, Dolly they had an absolute insane uh, Do we know cast who, list who was Dolly playing? I hope Emperor of the Nerds. I, I, thought, yeah, I thought it was Emperor of the Nerds. Like, I would not, hope so. I want, yeah. I, want, I, want, uh, I want to see... I want to go hop to the parallel dimension where Yodorowsky's Dune was made, just so I can watch uh, Dali be like, the Emperor of the Known Universe does not need spice. The Emperor of the Known Universe is spice. <laughs> That's what I want. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Leto Atreides. The Duke. Jared Leto Atreides. Yes. Thankfully, no. Not yet. Well. <laughs> yeah. Denis. We'll see. Maybe I, I, have, maybe I called it. I have expectations. I mean, it'd be funny. Um, but we do get a, a cool, you know, a good scene with Paul's dad, Duke Leto. Duke Jared Leto, who says, um, without change, uh, something sleeps inside us and seldom awakens, and the sleeper must awaken. It's a cool thing. It's also definitely the exact point that David Lynch got to in reading the book, where he's like, oh, I'm going to direct this. Yeah. It's about dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my movie now. Yeah. You know? 
I like it. But I like I like his dad. The I don't I don't know the actor who plays Duke Leto off the top of my head, but I, I liked him. I thought his performance was really good. He has you know some decent screen time for the first half of the film, but he has a lot of gravitas. Yeah, that's what was, you want. Yeah, because he feels like a Duke. Jurgen Prochnow. Jurgen Prochnow. Okay. Prochnow. I don't know how to pronounce the name's name. He was in Das Boots. Yeah. Oh, he was also uh, one of the woodsmen in Twin Peaks: The Return. Oh, really? David brought him back. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I like, I like when uh, directors work with a stable of actors and bring yes, them back and things. If you're familiar with David Lynch's oh, yeah. uh, oeuvre, you will definitely recognize Jack Nance as probably the most lovable Harkonnen, I think. I know, oh, you're the eraser head, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. I like that scene between Jürgen Prochnow and Kyle Blockman. I thought it was good. It was like... Yeah, they've got yeah. a great chemistry. Also, I mean, there's a lot of um, Lion King yeah. other elements to it where it's it's uh, dealing with like... One the, day, Paul, all the light touches will be yours yeah and and living in the shadow of your father kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah. and you know not like ha- having to so come to responsibility who's the timon and pumbaa of dune then uh, big ed and jack nance <laughs> god damn 100 percent are any any listeners out there that can photoshop me up a fake lion king dune poster that would be fantastic. Go, go, lean into it, as I like to say on the show. Lean into it. Oh, my God. Um, so then we have Paul. Well, Paul goes to sleep. Paul's mother is going because she has to meet with a Bene um, Gesserit uh, witches that are in the uh, Atreides court. Yeah. And um, the uh, she, the, the Bene Gesserit, tells Paul's mother, like, we're going to test him tonight. This is it, because he's going to about to leave for Arrakis, so we have to do a whole Bene Gesserit thing. Well, um, and, and you're... Was it because he was think... leaving for Arrakis, or because... Because he was the Azora High. It was that. It, yeah. it was yeah. they wanted to test He's him before he left. Yeah. I'm gonna keep saying Azora High. I'm no. sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's like the last. Like this would be their last opportunity to test him. Yes. Um, He's about the right age and blah, blah blah. I think in the book they say he's a little young for the test, but this is their opportunity. Yeah. Because in the book, he's slightly younger than in the movie. Um, yeah. In the movie, I'm getting a solid, like, early 20s. Vibe. Yeah. And in the but book, yeah, I believe he's, he's like he's a, supposed a teen. To be like a 16, 17. Teen, tween. Yeah. Sure. He's like 14 or 15 yeah. when, he, when he leaves for Arrakis. And then a lot more time is spent there. Yeah. And at the, like, by the time he becomes Moadib and, and like, he's older. He's in his yeah. early 20s. Makes sense. Yeah. Why and, like, you get an idea of that time passing in this, but, like, you know. They kind of gloss over it. Yeah. Yes. Um, the only clue you get is uh, they say that his, two years. his sister becomes a youth. Yeah, she well, they do say that she toddler and... she ages incredibly rapidly. Or I something. was gonna say it's well, Patrick Stewart's she... hair. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they say that she matures, and so when she shows up, she's speaking yeah. like a young adult would. Yeah, yes. and they dub her voice. Yes, well, of course they do. But honestly, I think near the end of the film, uh, she should have been. They should have had her dubbed by Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist, because that's kind of the vibe yes. she's giving yes. off. Yes, no, a hundred percent a Poltergeist. But so but, Paul yeah, is asleep. Paul, Paul is having dreams where he's saying the thing I've been saying for a little bit, <laughs> yeah. which is, which is Arrakis, do desert planet. And he says it yeah. again, and there's, you know, David getting, Lynchian dream yeah. imagery and everything, but... You're getting some visuals of <laughs> characters we'll see later, and of uh, images we'll see later. Because he can yeah. already yeah. see the future, yeah, he is even though, despite, yeah, yeah, despite, despite the fact man. that he hasn't had spice yet. Because I thought that the spice was like kind of where the future telling mm-hmm. came from. No, actually with the Bene Gesserit, it's the water of life, which is different than the spice, but is related. But yeah. he hasn't had the water of life no, either. No. So he's no. just like... 
no, it's such a baller that without any sort of well, so his his substance, his mother and his father were supposed to breed a Bene Gesserit, uh, Bene Gesserit like a girl Priestess. child, yes. yeah, and she was like already they you know the Bene Gesserits who again it's space magic witchcraft stuff, so it's not just magic bullshit, it's also like genes and talking about the bloodlines. They yeah. said that um, their daughter would already be a powerful Bene Gesserit witch. Um, they knew that going in, like she, she has a lot of midichlorians. Basically, yes. essentially, yes. Um, even if she was Just naturally born, <laughs> naturally born under normal circumstances, she would be a very powerful Bene Gesserit. But because the Duke needs a son to be the heir, and um, his uh, Paul's mother, what's her name, Jessica. Jessica loves uh, Paul's father so much that she was like, "I will. I choose to bear this male heir for him." Um, which kind of alienated her somewhat from the Bene Gesserits. She's now not. She's ostracized somewhat from the Bene Gesserits. She still has abilities and stuff, but she's not a proper sister yes. anymore. Um, Which is why she didn't have to shave her head. Yeah, or have the crazy well, that religious That was garb. also partially because she had a political life as well. Yeah. Okay. So the Bene Gesserits want to see if he is even remotely as powerful, but like men are not as powerful in the Bene Gesserit ways in general. Yeah. So they just want to get an idea of where he falls on their scale. So she's like, we're going to test him. But yeah, he keeps having this like, Arrakis, dude, desert planet. Image of a hand, image of some water, rain, a single drop of rain on the desert. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Arrakis, dude, desert planet. And I kind of wanted David Lynch to put in, like, troubled production, <laughs> Alan Smithy. <laughs> like, that would have made I'm me not so. proud of this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to make blue velvet. So then, uh, I like I like do like the Bene Gesserit uh, witch voice. Oh yeah, I, as in the voice. I, I, yeah, the voice. Oh, yeah. that's a great so, effect. Uh, an ability that they have is they have a voice that they can use that can influence people to, to their will. Similar comic nerds to Preacher. Yes. Or Mr. Purple. Or Mr. Yes. Yeah, from Jessica yeah. Jones. Yeah. Yes. Where, Purple Man. Where yeah, Purple basically Man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's using like a special voice that will yeah, it's like uh, compel people to follow you. Yeah, vocal effect where like normally the Ben Jesuit uh, woman you know she sounds like this whatever but that just sounds kind of like this and you're like yeah. okay <laughs> okay so, I'll do what you honestly, yeah. honestly I, I felt like that could have been stupid and I felt that it actually kind of worked in this movie like, yeah, I, was, I, no, I, I was, was so on board no, yeah, it's I was cool because it ride. startles you yeah because yeah. they yeah they, they yeah Hunter makes it sound funnier than it is in the movie. You're kind of just sitting there going like, okay, yeah. No, it works. Sure. It's I mean, true. It's like, yeah. she's talking like this. You know, bring your son is awake. Bring him to me in a quarter of an hour. And then he shows up and she's like, put your hands in the box. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. This yeah. is creepy. It's very startling. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah but so he basically, um, she draws a little like finger needle against his throat. Like not. His jugular. Yeah. Um, and it's poisoned and basically has to put this hand. His but not hand, only that, uh, she, yeah. she does specifically mention it's the poison they use for animals yeah yes so not only would he die but he would die in disgrace well it's it's the test to see whether or not he's a true human is yeah the implication there it's somewhat overt actually yeah but yeah but yeah. so he's got to put his hand in a box and he's got to keep it there and if he withdraws it she's going to kill him and that is made very yeah explicit and he starts feeling an itching yeah an itching and then, and then burning, burning and then heat and more heat and yeah. the skin splits and yeah. blood starts pouring yeah, out we do get a shot of he, that and yeah it's he, disgusting. Can, he can envision his hand being consumed by whatever is fire in the box. and yes. needles and a tarantula yeah. and a pterodactyl and god yeah. knows it's all just and like Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey is nibbling on your pinky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since and you were Allison, yeah, the Litany of Fear, yes. Yakulis, uh, would you like to read the Litany of Fear? Do you have that? I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. 
I will permit it to pass over me and through me, and when it has gone past I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone there will be nothing. Only I will remain." Yeah, beautiful. That That's is, awesome. So, yeah, he's mentally Assume. whispering the litany of fear in his little mind whisper that we've established happens a lot. But then he uh, endures so much uh, pain from the box of secrets that uh, even the Bene Gesserit, she gets basically feedback, basically, you know, yeah, so auditory can... feedback of, of him, you know, repeating the litany and blocking out the pain. And she goes, oh, enough, oh, okay. And and says also that he uh, endured more than most people. Women folk. Yeah. Yeah. She says women folk. Yeah. Because um, like, the Bene Gesserit's historically women. Yes. Yeah. I do like Great the job. line, um, I think it's right before the, 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 the box trial. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. is she, he passes the test and she says, like, you know, the only Bene Gesserit, you know, thing left is, you know, the, the trial of the water of life and she's like you know no man has ever passed it yeah um and well, he's like oh well, they discuss- tried and failed and she goes they tried and died and I, <laughs> I like i really liked her like line read it's so good yeah. yeah it's awesome yeah there's a lot of that in there where certain things are said with enough punch that yeah it's, oh it, it this, this, this good yeah. best line delivery is big ed going we have worms signed the likes of which even god, god has never seen, seen. <laughs> it's so good it's wonderful uh then you see the the gross Say, yeah, yeah. Floating Baron Harkonnen is the stuff of ducking nightmares, which well, is what autocorrect so, hit me on my notes. Even before that, you had uh, that Mentot, not litany, it's a mantra apparently. Yes. But where I was like, I don't think that's in the book. Oh, not, the lip stain. Yeah. Yeah, the lip stain. That was created for the movie. It fit. Like, it didn't feel yeah. out of place. Yeah, it didn't it is, feel tactical. I bought it as someone it is, who had never consumed anything. It is the Mentat mantra. Today. It is by Will Alone, I Set My Mind in Motion. It is by the juice of Safa that thoughts acquire speed and the lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. And that main mentat is Brad Dourif. Uh, <laughs> yes. We start getting some of the Harkonnen flavor. You got your hover suit. They are all you get some, into like blood play yeah, and it's a oil little, play. It's a little sadistic. You see some like background people that have like uh, their ears stapled shut or like Yeah, there was some weird yeah, their, their eyes, body their eyes and ears were sealed yeah. while they were working on question mark and that I couldn't figure out what the I was like oh this is like a spice refinery that was my first thought like no. visually I was yeah. like, this is a spice no. refinery and they don't want them like overhearing anything or seeing anything I was like no oh. they're just kind of there so, so like when you have people cutting cocaine, cocaine in, their underwear. in their underwear yeah, so that's exactly what it. I thought exactly what I thought <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this way they can't pocket it, right, right. But now I was like, no, in their ear holes. In their ear holes. Yeah, yeah I was like, that's <laughs> weird. Stable those shut. Yeah, it was odd. Hellraiser. Yeah. yeah, very Hellraiser. It's like yeah. DIY Hellraiser. Yeah. yeah. And also, what is it? It's a heart spike or something. Yeah, they have, like, I think they call little... it a heart spike. Yes. Yeah. And you have a little yeah. thing in your chest that has a little peg in it, and it's a dipstick. It's yeah. like it's a checking and, your oil. And but somebody can take it out your... and just drain all your blood. Yeah, yeah. your bl- your heart just shoots the rest of your blood out, and Baron Harkonnen, Vladimir Harkonnen, is just. Is like all he's hard as hell, yeah, uh, and splashing around at that poor little boy. I mean, it's not a little it's, boy; he's yeah. a young man. But yeah. It should be he noted the guy too for fun, or maybe as sexual a, release, yeah. maybe yeah. as a beauty treatment, a little Madame Bathory. Yeah, maybe. Ooh, yeah. maybe it is. Oh, actually, I bet it is because don't they later his on, boils get a little bit better. His boils do get That's better for sure. Yeah, Baron Harkin is not a looker. He's disgusting. I mean, yeah, no. yeah. just the he, grossest. He's a look aware. Yes. Ah. Yes. Yeah. 
he's having his doctor like lance the boils and squeezing all kinds of juice into it's, something. Uh, relatedly, um, so this is when we meet Fane and Raban, uh, or Fade and Raban, yeah, um, which sting. is Sting, sting. and not Sting. Um, but I actually think because you mentioned that the, the blood might be a beauty treatment, I think they say because remember later on, Aaron Harkin is just floating around like a steam thing. It's just yeah. steaming, and then Sting comes out of his tiny little underwear oh. with a Flash Gordon crotch. Yes. yes. Um, so I think they make yeah, a joke about the blood of, of the Atreides or something. Maybe. I think he says like he's bathing in the blood of the Atreides or something and then he comes out and he's just like look, look how sexy I am. He and truly had no action nah. at all. Like yeah, he, uh, no, they were just like just, staying stand in this yeah, weird leather outfit. David like, Lynch okay. was like wear this hood ornament as your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping that they brought that back for the end of the movie knife fight. Yeah. Yes. It's also... I Do it in the Speedo. Why guys, not? Stay I, tuned for my really good sting joke at the end when there's a knife fight. I thought in the book <laughs> that they were either naked or stripped down or something. Yeah. Or was that just how you wanted or, to read yeah, or, or maybe that was how I... Well, Dude, that's how I watched Black Panther. <laughs> oh, yeah. At the end when that vibranium train goes by and starts like deactivating their suits, I'm just like, I just want two hot naked men fighting on this train the train. In the interim, I read the Dark Tower series and stuff, mm. and then is it the first Eddie or the second Dean. book? Yeah, Eddie Dean gunfights naked. Yep, comes which, out of the bathroom totally naked and fucking yeah, armed the teeth. It's great. Which, I mean, that is how you display your manliness yep. is fighting without a stitch on yep. because I'm the alpha male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. <laughs> you will see every inch of my swinging dick while I end your life. But also, like, I feel like just as like a survival like instinct it would like it's, get it's, up there you know the, it would protect itself yeah oh okay you know that's what i'm saying like oh, so biological I, imperative that's I, what he's talking I, about. I, yes. I was saying mentally like that is the entire opposite of armor not wearing anything. It's, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is displaying Fully an exposed. entire lack of so fear. So you're either going out rocking a full boner or it's inside you. <laughs> oh, you're Depending talking... on what kind of a man you are. I, I physically can't muster a murder boner. So yeah. That's, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to be more the expert on that Murder boner, really, it's a state of mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had plenty of murders. Oh, believe me, no I boner. That part it's of whenever I pregame and I think about how good the boner is going to be after I murder. That's when it comes no, no, I killed him. I killed him too quick. Uh, it's too fast. I killed him so fast. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, half an hour. I'll kill somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I'm tired. God, just let me. He just Ooh. every time he just kills somebody and he rolls over and goes to sleep, no. regardless of who I need killed. Not I can't kill him tonight. I have a headache. Yeah, just leave me alone. You've had a headache for the last five days, Barry. Well, maybe I don't want to kill anymore. <laughs> In this scene, the French do call it the little death. Uh. There was a, a little death line yes. somewhere. It's, fear. it's, it's yeah. the litany of fear. fear. Yes. Okay. It is the little fear death that brings total annihilation. Yeah. Obliteration. Obliteration. While we're adding texture to how gross the Harkonnens are. Oh. Harkonnens. Because um, Raban, the, the heavier of the two brothers, uh, he has what is essentially a rat juice box. Yeah. Where it's a tiny little, like, rat mouse oh, thing. That's... And he squishes it and then drinks the juice that squeezes out of this rat. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's so great. But it came out as, like, a black. Yeah, it's like a black, black purple like juice. Like, purple. It was, it was great Kool-Aid, but it was so strange. I didn't even think it was, like, a rat that he squeezed. Yeah, it's like a little creature. That's, yeah. the, that's the color it is when it's fresh squeezed. It's been a while since I've had a fresh squeezed rat, everyone. I've been buying store-bought. I know. I'm just not looking after my body. Uh, I've actually, I've switched over to a mice-only diet. Oh. Yeah. It's the shorter tail, it really helps. You're looking very trim. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. The mice is nice. Mice is nice. 
Mice the rat nice. keeps you fat. Mice is nice at twice the price. <laughs> uh, Sting really, for okay. having like three lines in this, every time you see Sting, he has the craziest face on. He does. He's he got looks, such a It's a, a Joker presence. face. Yes. Yes. It's the Joker. It kind of is his Joker. It's really good, too. I had, I knew nothing about this. Yeah. And let me tell you, I came in expecting Sting to be like the bad guy. Yeah, there, no, there's not yeah. enough Sting. He yeah. barely reaches henchman level status. Yeah. I actually think in the book he's dealt with even sooner in the storyline, I think. You would know better than I. Like, he should be in more of it. But there's so much movie anyway. Yes, yes. Um, also, he's great in, like, an acquired taste kind of way. It's not like he's acting. No, no. He's That just, should be said. He's just enjoying himself. Yes. And I think that comes across and, it's and that super, makes me want to look yeah, at him. Yeah, no, it's contagious. Like, you watch him and you're like, you know what you're doing, but I'm I having mean, No, you do him. not know why you're here. Yeah, I mean, no. also, <laughs> he's writing synchronicity in the back of his head the whole time. <laughs> But also, you know, he's he's a rose among cow shit. Especially for yeah. the Harkonnen. Yeah. Oh, he's the only pretty one. one. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. yes. oh, yeah. He's he's a very pretty man Ooh, yeah. in a very ugly place he's, surrounded that, that, by very ugly people. That yeah. shot at the end of him and those Speedos, it's Rocky from the Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show. Indeed. Like, he's a physical yes. specimen in these little teeny tiny pants. You know, he, like, but, like, here's the thing is, like, yes, is he ugly by Harkonnen standards? Because he's such oh, yeah, they probably a black like, sheep where it's like, you got the recessive oh, gene, you're skinny. Do you think so? Oh, if, recessive gene if, that you're hot. If our speculation <laughs> is that weight is considered affluent, yes. then probably. Yeah, yeah, no, he's like, he's the ugly brother. Yeah, yeah. Well, so... Um, um, we get more narration. Yeah, it's you get the space worm happening. Yeah, through the Because he's the one who has like a small sample of one of these arrakis worms, and it's like 125 meters long or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, and that's yeah, the yeah. only reference we get to like how big these things actually yeah. are. Dune is populated by um, the, the Fremen. Fremen and whoever the heck is controlling the and spice mines at right. the time, which was the Harkonnen family and is now going to be the Atreus family, and then also a whole ton of uh, desert worms, right? The, which are massive. Beetlejuice and in small yeah. small versions and tremors. Yes. yes. So you've never seen Dune, but you've seen either of those things, you have an idea. Yeah. Much bigger than the Tremors Graboids and not as colorful as the Beetlejuice worms. But Similar. the same weird, like, predator, three-prong. Yeah, mouth and a mouth. Mouth and a mouth. Yeah. It's very Sarlacc. I'm shooting ahead, but when we get to a final battle, there's, like, we zoom in oh, on yeah. the puppets of the worms, and that's where it's, like, you kind of lose me because it literally just looks like weird little, like, pipe cleaners that have been stuck into some clay. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, it's a model. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, I just, I'm so excited to see a version of this story on screen now that CG exists. I do think that, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, like, it's, it's I'm, a, I'm a defender of practical I, yeah. effects. I'm reservedly uh, optimistic. I've seen a lot of really bad CG designs yes. of things. And so, and, and that's the thing is, like, if it, if it works, then that's great. But if it doesn't, yeah. then, like. It's even worse. Yeah. yeah. And, and but as yeah. a practical even, effect, even these are very model, impressive. Yeah, even a yes. bad model tends to look more That's the only part of the uh, like, visual effects that I was like, yeah. oh, that's kind of lame. That you're, and like, some super hardcore blue screens. Your, your climactic battle is a lot of actors in front of blue screens. Yes. Actors, that's just actors reacting to nothing. Yeah. yeah, a lot of like added in lasers, so you have people tipping over. Yeah, you're. I mean, and it's, it's, it's a little off time. This is a, so so. I don't know if anybody knew this or people listening knew this, but um, David Lynch really wanted to direct Return of the Jedi. I thought it was the opposite. I thought Lucas really wanted David Lynch to direct Return of the Jedi. Oh no, I, he was like, oh no. Somebody at some point wanted David. No, Lynch I think to yes. do I think yes. I think I had read that he was interested. In it. Oh okay. Um, but that you know uh. Who 
whomever was like, mm, I don't know if he's the right choice. I guess, yeah. conservatively, somebody at some point wanted David Lynch. Yeah. But I don't know if, you know, the direction is bad because David Lynch is just out of his element. Because, like, a big fucking space it's battle. such a huge scale. Riding yeah. worms, exploding things in, in the sky, and armies and shit is not anything he does. Yeah. No. Like, that's the tough or thing about movies. Or ever returns to. Right, you know? That's the tough thing about movies. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint whose fault something is. Yes. Yeah. You know, it takes a whole village to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It and really it, yeah, does. it could have been any number of things. It could have been like, I thought we'd have more money for this and we don't. Could have been, I thought we had more time for this and we don't. It could have been. It could have been that one associate producer who yeah. was billed first at yeah. the opening credits, and that was David Lynch's way of saying, I blame everything on this one. Yeah, right after, right after the credit Dune, you get a single associate producer. Yeah. And then it goes to like creature design or something. It's a weird opening. We already covered yeah, that. Yeah, but it's strange. Odd. Yeah. So yes, then we get the space goober, which is the uh, yeah the thing that we saw talking to yeah, it the astral, emperor. It astral project. So yes, the um, the Atreides fly in their ships up to a giant tube in space, yeah. giant tube ship. Great and, design. And the pilot, well, which is what we're referring to the space goober as, the pilot astral projects into the big gelatinous fourth astronomically dimensional projects. astronomically. Yeah. Projects. And then it does its yeah trans warp fucking drug trip. Yeah. And takes them to it Arrakis. Trips all the way to another part of the galaxy. It's man. awesome. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. Like, while we were watching the film, like, we talked about it a little bit. Carter was like, what a fucking crazy idea. And it's like, yeah. Imagine, like, think of your highest friend. And if you can't, it's you. <laughs> but it's imagine definitely. if your highest friend got so high that all of you in the party woke up in, like, Sri Lanka. <laughs> We can only speculate. But now we're on uh, Arrakis. Yes, we are. We finally made it. Yeah. We, we learned that um, Arrakis. Arrakis. Dune. Uh, Desert, Desert planet. planet. <laughs> they arrive on Arrakis. Uh, we were told that there are a lot of Harkonnen uh, suicide troops wandering around. Yeah, like, they, they... We're told that. They still... We never see it. No... But we also see them um, trying to raise their shields, which are it's a full size version of the like three D body suit thing, body that, suit thing uh, that Patrick Stewart yeah. and uh, Kyle McLaughlin were nice fighting. fighting with. Um, so it's a it's a building version of that, but they couldn't raise it because there were like I forget what they called them, but yeah, they were like literally uh, called think, sabotage yeah, boxes, sabotage yeah. devices. Yeah, or yeah, because yeah. there's a character going like they're finding them too fast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like oh, we're finding them too fast. Like. Like oh, this money. isn't the actual yeah. plan. That's the way I yeah. read that line. Was like, oh wait, we're finding all of these sabotage boxes. Maybe these aren't their actual plan to trip I us up. Know. There was too much political intrigue and too little time in this movie. Yeah, because yeah. like honestly, this could be a very entertaining yeah. as a mostly a yeah. political yeah. like if yes. HBO space political put film. Their HBO could it Game of Thrones it and yeah. as a series. It'd be fascinating yeah, to dive certainly. into. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's there's a lot of material. In there. Clearly. Around that well, I wanted to point out that okay. when they finally do raise the house shield, it sounds like Hypnotoad. No, okay. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> like the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it does. Every time they cut to it, it's just like... Very generic. <laughs> like a pre-inception inception yeah. noise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little didgeridoo-ish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Low-key didgeridoo, yeah. Yeah. Love a low-key didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then we see the still suits, and um, it's Max von Sydow. I don't remember what his character's name is. Uh, He's uh, like a representative from the Fremen, yeah. um, and he he tells well, Duke Atreides and he's, Paul he's, how to wear their still suits and how to. Doctor Kynes. Kynes. Got the blue eyes. That uh, yeah, he sort of is. He's, he's sort of low key pretending he doesn't know anything about the Fremen. Yeah, but yeah. he's a representative of the Iraqi people. 
But I know that through uh, Kyle McLaughlin's internal monologue that he's involved in something. And that's actually the first time that there is any correlation explicitly stated between Spice and the Worms. The worms. Yeah. Even though it's in the form of a question, that's the first time that it pops up where Paul Atreides is like, so is there any connection between the Worms and the Spice? And Max von Sydow is just like, uh, n- n- maybe, I don't know. And his, uh, his inner monologue is like, he's very perceptive. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so uh, Arrakis is like a totally desert planet. Yeah. There is no moisture. Wall-to-wall so, sand in your crack. So Not a single drop has ever fallen on Arrakis. That yeah. is important. So to go out, you use a still suit, which basically... Uh, you Processes know, your... Uh, yeah, your perspiration and your... Um, exhalation. Yeah, yeah, the moisture from your breath back into water you can drink. So you are your own camelback. It, yeah, it and also processes urine and feces... Yeah. Yeah, your breathing is what uh, helps filter it and uh, walking, moving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, It's a great concept. And I love the design. Yeah, when you're reading it in the book... It's a great concept, and, like, it's described fairly detailed, but not visually super detailed. Like, you get the processes, but not what they look like. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you see this, it looks like it does what they're saying it does. Yeah. Like, when you look at like, it, yeah, I buy it. looking and yeah, stuff. Yeah. We also get a really cool shot later on where, like, one of the still suits is torn open yeah. or torn yeah. in half, and, and you, you get see to see a bunch of, of extra, like, tubes and water and wiring. Yeah. And like, oh, cool. This is, you get yeah, yeah, all the different layers of it. It's yeah, nice. It's, it's yeah. one of those things where they're, like, you know, Fuck up a steel suit and throw him out in the desert kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of happens uh, in Iger Sanction. Iger Sanction, yeah. yeah. Previous episode. Uh, then we get. Uh, they, well, they, oh, yeah. but so they have an offhand comment that you can last for. Uh, still in the suit. deep desert, you can yeah. last two weeks, is I think what Big Ed tells us. Yeah. With um, just your still suit. Yeah, water's extremely important. Very scarce. Yeah. In this. They say water. Oh, and I love is that, that um, line um, later on when Paul and his mother are saved by the Fremen people. Paul's mom, I can't remember her name uh, Jessica Jessica holds this guy hostage with like literally just a pinch on his neck and he has this wonderful line where he's like if you can do this to the strongest of all of us you're worth ten times your weight in water yeah. and I was like mm. well, you know like that's wonderful world building yeah they're like thing of like you are now part of our clan he says your waters will mingle with ours yes yeah. yeah, it's cool. Like, it feels realistic. It feels like it makes sense. And it's also something that, as a layman listening to it or reading it, you get. You totally get what that means immediately. Yeah. So, Max von Sydow takes Thufer and Paul and Duke Lido out yeah. to fly around to see some of the spice mining. Yes. And they notice a uh, worm sign, which is a great place. Yeah. It's like Tremors. Yeah. You're yeah. watching the you sand. Think it's going to be just shit. But yeah. really, it's just uh, sand displacement. It, uh, but there's also sand lightning. lightning. Oh, it's sand lightning. lightning. Yeah. There is lightning on the horizon. It's like a heat lightning yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So they, they radio ahead to uh, one of the... The mining the, operator, yeah, who's the, the one and only David out. Lynch. Yeah. Which, yeah, yes. David Lynch makes a cameo as uh, the guy miner. on the radio for the spice yeah. mining. Um, also, the mining equipment looks phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. It it's like great. a weird six-wheeled scarab beetle. Yeah, yeah, it's a really great design. It's kind of steampunky. Desert punk is a subgenre. I think. Oh, it is, is it? now. Yeah, and diesel punk. And, oh, well, uh, 
Diesel Punk is more like yeah. Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, just saying, like, these are sub-genres yeah. of... It's it's not quite Mad Max, but no. it's, you know, because it's definitely more of, like, its own thing as yeah. opposed to repurpose and it's stuff. A thing that, um, yes. it's a thing that gets dropped wherever it is and has to, like, move very little and then gets picked up by, like, a, a larger ship thing that will come and rescue it, except... The Harkonnens had, like, there was some buggery okay. or something. Yeah, yeah they so, weren't going to be able to get there in time to pick up the thing. And apparently, like, general mining procedure is that they will keep mining until the last possible second. Because the whole thing is getting lifted up, so they might as well just keep mining until they get rescued. But they don't realize that, yeah, their rescue isn't coming. So the Duke makes uh, Max von Sydow take them down to rescue the men. And I like there's an inner monologue of Max von Sydow who's like, I like this Duke. <laughs> yes. I thought that was pretty cool. And he's like, because, yeah, all yeah. putting let, their, their lives him, in danger yeah. to go and rescue these workers. He's a good leader. Leto's yeah. a good guy. Yeah. He, yeah, he understands that there's value in human life and that yeah. machinery is replaceable. Right. Mm-hmm. But I like, yeah, I like David Lynch being like, we can't leave all this spice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. It's, fun. Like, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful it's David scene. Lynch. Yeah, he, he always has really funny line reads. Oh, yeah. yeah. You get a really crazy thing of, like, the mine equipment just getting swallowed Oh, yeah, by the worm, worm eats it. Which, yeah. like, takes a very long time. But, but was a wonderful was, show of the scale of these monsters. Was, yeah. was that the time where you were like, come on, show me the worm? Yes. 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 Yeah, we were watching. I wanted to see Carter, it. Carter really wanted the worm, and they gave him the worm. I got it. But yeah. also, it was, it was, I don't know. It wasn't quite what you were It expecting. was not what I wanted. No, I mean, it's it's a practical effect yeah. Uh, yeah. puppet, so, was, like, wasn't its mouth a... doesn't close fully. Like well, it, that was another thing, too. It grips it, and then the thing explodes, and then yeah. it closes more yeah. around it. And, yeah. like, it's, I mean, it's a good effect, but, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not great. It's, it's not exactly it's, what it's you want. It's 80s effects, but, it's yeah. It's not gonna, like, that's one, one of the aspects where it's, like, I'm very excited for this new... Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, um, if because I can, yeah. if yeah. nothing else, I know I'm going to be able to see these things the way that I was hoping to see them. Well, so a thing that is great, though, is that you see this mine equipment and it's big. It's huge. Yeah. And you see this worm. And it's and bigger. And it is bigger. Yes. Yeah, so, it is so significantly bigger because it can huge. just pop right up and. Yeah. It swallows yeah. a whole, yeah. like, oil refinery. It yeah. is, yeah. like, it's, the epitome <laughs> of Liam Neeson's line in Phantom Menace. There's always a bigger fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. it's cool. It's, Lord. Like it's not even the biggest ones. Yeah. There are bigger ones later. <laughs> yeah, right? So, after all the mining crew, you get an attempt on Paul's life. Uh, the weird. panel slides open in his wall, yeah. and he just watches a hover needle come out. Now, this is like a hovering needle ship thing. It's it's, it's needle size, and it's going to find him and inject him and explode or something. But um, he keeps saying... It's going to give him a hot dose of murder. Yeah. yeah. But in his inner monologue, he says, like, you can't see me. And I'm like, it's pretty well lit. It was so well lit for that specific shot that he set it on, too. I was like, yeah. this is... I, guys, I was like, it's on. pretty well lit. But I was like, all right, sure, I'll get it. It's, it's dramatically lit. That's what he should have said. Like, yeah. it's too dramatically lit in here. Yeah. It can't see me. No, we get this great shot yeah, of yeah. inside, uh, from inside the needle of like some kind of weird clockwork thing inside it, like clicking back and forth and it like turning and then like zeroing in on Paul's eye, but he's so still that uh, it doesn't see That's him. That's one of his messiah powers, I guess. I guess. Like Drax? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My movements are so slow that you cannot perceive them. <laughs> 
Um, and he's yeah, like, all I right. Mean, I think this is supposed to just be he knows how these things work. Yes, so he's of course. Able to avoid but also, I actually yeah. think in the book, it's like, there have been many attempts on my life and I'm used to them. Yeah, uh, they say at one point, like, first step to disarming a trap is knowing that it's there. Yes. Yeah. So this is that, where he knows how this thing works and he's gonna... He's waiting for his moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says in his inner monologue that he could yell for help, but whoever opened the door, it would kill them. It's kind of like the raptors in uh, Jurassic Park, where it's, yes, or, yes. The, or the T-Rex or whatever, where if you don't move, it can't see. That's the T-Rex. That's yeah. the T-Rex. Yeah. But the raptors do open the door. Well, there are no raptors here. <laughs> no, it's, we know. it's just uh, noted clever girl, Linda Hunt, <laughs> um, who, who famously played uh, the principal from Kindergarten Cop, famously yes. to me. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I feel like oh, that could be famous. a t-shirt, is just Linda Hunt's face and clever girl. <laughs> clever girl. <laughs> clever girl. Um, and she is uh, Fremen. She is a Bene Gesserit, and... Mm-hmm. Um, She's in the house proper to, like, you know, kind of go undercover. The same sort of thing yes. that Max von Sydow yeah. is doing militarily. Yes. But she's the house staff. So she goes because she wants to talk to Paul. And uh, the needle thing turns at the motion and shoots at her. And he grabs it and stabs it in the wall and it explodes. And she's like, oh, that would have killed me. Thank you for saving my life. Hey, you might be the Messiah. Come with me. Um, basically. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time to waste. No. So. Um, but meanwhile, this is when the, the base becomes under attack. Brad Dourif takes out Duke Leto. Yeah. And, um, he it also turns down the, the shields for the yes. base. Yes. So that the yeah. Arconan army can assault. Yeah, can assault. And this is like an all-out attack on the base. There, This is when you get a couple people in um, the, the shield suits. Yeah. They're trying to do an entire massacre. Yeah. yeah. They're grabbing those means of production. There's an explosion and a guy like falls down dead from the concussion or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. And then it cuts away to, I believe it's Raban, um, which is the uh, uh, Fade's uh, brother. Yes. Yeah. Celebrating on the wall and he's like, ha ha! Doing this little like arm pumping dance and there's explosions yeah. and it cuts back and that's when the pug just walks by that dead guy. My only note from that scene was at least the pug survives the bombing. Yeah, he's good. Although I don't think we see him again, so yeah. he probably I mean he got eaten by a sandworm. Yeah, he probably just holed up in the in the coffers somewhere eating the food reserves. Yeah. Not all those juice box rats. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like Frank from Men in Black. Yeah! Frank. <laughs> Gotta get walking for my flight. I also had a note that the uh, Harkonnen, like, troopers or whatever are yes. all dressed like they're in black radiation suits. Yeah, 100%. It they're... very much looks like they work at a nuclear plant. Uh, the, and then they take, uh, the... they kidnap Paul's mom. They're being taken to be killed. That's the whole thing. Okay. Um, like, just to be left out in the desert, I guess? You were maybe yeah. murdered and their bodies like left, left together because they're important those. like they're yeah, a hierarchy yeah. yes. right so uh the greater right the duke, political world of the, the universe is, the duke and thufur hawat who is his like right hand yeah. man are kept there to be tortured thufur gets uh a poison placed in him he gets a heart plug from the um harkonnens and that's when they tell him like the only thing that will keep you alive thufur is you must milk this cat that we've duct taped to a rat yeah there's a cat in like it's a, a cat rig. in a sling yeah yes brad durf knocks out the the, the, the duke he t- pulls his yeah. tooth and puts a poison tooth in yeah, and he as, as the duke is like half conscious he's like when Baron Harkonnen is close to you bite this tooth remember the tooth the tooth oh it's you know what it's not Brad Dourif it's um it's Dean Stockwell though. yeah it's Dean Stockwell yeah. yes Yes. Dean Stockwell. That's my, my bit. Okay. Who is, uh... Brad Dourif is the guy who... who yeah. Was, yes. That's what, so, okay. the, so the Duke, uh, he's hallucinating and he sees, he sees the Baron and he sees, uh, uh Brad Dourif, who's the Baron's, like, right-hand man. He's real squirrely. He's like the Baron's doctor. Yeah. Medical guy. And he, uh, but he mistakes... 
him for the Baron. He's like, come closer, Baron. And then Brad Dourif leans in his face. He bites down the tooth and he breathes out this poison. And Brad Dourif has the best reaction shot because he just sort of stands up and goes like, and then falls yeah. backwards. It's yeah, it's, it's a little delayed, but honestly, that's yeah, it's great. So good. It's, it's really fun. Just, yeah. Cheese to the max. It, it wouldn't be instantaneous. Like yeah. that's that's realistic. Where you're just kind of like, what happened? Oh fuck! Arsenic. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Um, Does this smell like either to you? <laughs> uh, so then Paul and his mother use the the voice. They've gagged his mother because she's a Jesuit. Uh, but they don't realize that Paul's got some abilities. Yeah, because and, he's just a mere man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's... The little one. They keep referring to this 25-year-old man as yeah. the little one. Well, yeah, right. it's because in the book he's supposed to be actually... 14 or Yeah, 16. but, like, maybe change that when you know you're going to cast the 25-year-old yeah. instead of a 14-year-old. He is a man, damn it. Just an idea. Two guys... Two uh, random Harkonnens. Yeah. Uh, drive mountains in the desert to kill them, and Paul uses his voice to be like, take off my mother's gag. And then she uses her voice, and she makes one kill the other. Paul tries to... Pilot it. Pilot it, but, you know, it's, it's not his forte. Um, so it clips one of the wings off, and they go down pretty hard. He uh, can't gain altitude. They don't, like, crash immediately. No. But he can't get back up, and so they're basically just gliding into to the, the southern desert. polar. Yeah, they're trying the to desert. get. He's trying to get them to rocks because um, the, tremors rules. Yeah, tremors yeah. rules. Well, the, tremors the, stole this from Doom. Apparently, yeah. I'm just now learning. Yeah, the Shihalud respond to rhythmic uh, vibration, which is why they always attack the mining operations because the machinery makes the same rhythmic, you know, thing while it's drilling. They this, land. They yeah. do manage to run to some rock. They're okay. Giant know. worm comes and is way too aggressive in trying to. Yeah, them. yeah, like, it's it's got a vendetta. Yeah, it does. And also, I was just thinking, like, calorie count-wise, these two humans are not worth the trouble no. of the energy that this worm is expending. Yeah, its mouth is the size of a fucking two-car garage. Yeah. Like, also, Paul has his waking dream. Yes. And you get a, like, you understand now that it is a David Lynch movie, even if you didn't before, because it's a ton of those visuals that he loves. Yeah. It's crazy. Where it's just... There's a baby. Yeah. In some yeah. goo. It's yeah. like a baby in a crater of milk and blood. And it's disgusting. Yeah. It's yeah. horrifying. It's yes. not an eraser head baby, but it's like yeah. second or third. It's, it's rough. I mean, it's not just that, but that is one of the more standard Yeah, there's a, there's a hand, there's Most the, the water stuff, on, the, well, on the desert. Yeah. Like, the same imagery he's been seeing. There's, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's the pretty girl with the blue eyes. There's like it's it's yeah. everything. It's the greatest hits of Paul's visions. Yeah, yeah. there's some of like that smokiness. That That's he the thing. It's like his stuff. his yeah. vision pretty much repeats more or less the same images over yeah. and over. But this is when he has the waking dream. It's the first time that he sees what we find out will be his, his yes, sister. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's what I assumed that baby. Yeah, is, definitely. is his oh, yeah. unborn yeah. sister. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. He says it's because there's spice all around them, and yes. they didn't have their still suits in. Yeah. Like they didn't have smell the, it? the still suits have like a nose plug that you're supposed to breathe in through your mouth and out through the nose. What's well, if you're in the deep desert to further retain yeah, moisture? Yeah, but uh, so he says there's spice all around them and they're breathing it in. He's like, it's poison, but he's like, at the same time, your training has made it so that it's expanding my consciousness. Yeah. Because um, he's been trained in the uh, Bene Gesserit ways and the weirding way. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Mom, for making the decision to make me a boy and possibly either your Messiah or Antichrist figure. Right. Who you're talking to. Yeah. That was a big leap of faith. Yeah, because otherwise he'd just be like, yeah, man, I'm all spiced out. But now he's like, 
like, no, no, I'm, I've, I've expanded my consciousness. My third eye is open. Maybe even a fourth eye. Who knows? I've got and, a lot. Yeah, I've got a whole mm-hmm. bunch of eyes up here, and uh, I can, I can save the whole galaxy. Also, definitely, I feel like that's the point where his god complex really starts. Oh yeah, he part of his vision is he talk, he sees the moons, he talks to his father. He's like the sleeper must awaken. Oh yeah, he and, starts doing a lot of yeah. father. Yeah. Yeah. He talks to his dead dad a lot. Yeah, and his dead dad is always depicted by a shot of the moon. I was going to say, though, a lot of his like father things, it's a bit like, uh, for those of you familiar with the IT crowd, it's kind of a Matt Berry line read. Yeah. Father! Yeah. Whiskey! <laughs> um, God, not very. Um, so then he just thinks he, he thinks the phrase they'll call me Muad'Dib how, yeah. how, how prescient but yeah uh, so they, they they start like adventuring through this uh, rock face you know yeah. and that's when they come across the Fremen yeah. who are immediately like kill them they're immediately like um, uh, your son can join us but we're gonna kill you yeah we're gonna kill you and drink your you know your body weight in water and um, that's when she does the like she holds his throat and she you know they're like oh she's using the weirding way yeah it's and, a lot like your Vulcan neck pinch yeah except, it's very Vulcan neck yeah. pinch only it's at the trachea it's a little it's yeah. a little like the Swayze Roadhouse yeah, yeah yes that's really what yeah. it is it's just gonna, she's just gonna pull yeah. it out it's gonna be gross in like two minutes if if they keep pushing yeah if things don't yeah. go well She's like, don't make me call Sam Elliott. <laughs> so the leader, uh, this is Stilgar. Guard of the Still. And he uh, he tells them, okay, hey, if you can do the weirding way and you can teach us, you're worth you know ten times your weight in water. You and your son are welcome with us. Your waters will mingle with ours. That's when we yeah. get that stuff, which is great. He's also kind of BTW. We could use a new Reverend Mother. Yeah. Of- yeah, super convenient, but yeah. uh, we do need uh, someone to head up our yeah. religion. Because they have a, a Bene Jesuit person for their tribe but yeah. uh she's old and needs replacing and uh a little bit before this with paul you know really feeling the spice and stuff like that he tells her like he can sense that uh she's got his unborn sister yes yeah you yes. have my unborn sister inside you and she's like he's very perceptive yeah. <laughs> like everybody just keeps saying this inner monologue like well that kid sure knows a lot that kid knows yeah. so i wonder if he's read the book so for her <laughs> to become the reverend mother she needs to drink the water of life ah da, 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 before this okay well just before like while okay. they're while the uh the fremen are letting them into their society oh, yeah, we need to get to he meets chani oh yeah and it's fucking, it's Wayne's world, man. He looks at her and says, like, oh, dream weaver, nice. I believe you can get me through the night. Like, she's, like, holding a knife. <laughs> she was oh, yeah. Kill They're her. about to kill each other. And, yeah. and he's like, I've never met a yeah. more attractive person in she's my She's like, life. I would never let you harm my tribe. And he's like, you're so pretty. <laughs> That's so hot. <laughs> then uh, Jessica drinks the water of life. And yeah. Which, it's when uh, the narrator shows kind, up again. Kind of a misnomer because the water of life is stupidly poisonous. It's stupidly poisonous, uh, apparently. Also <laughs> not recommended for pregnant women, which she kind of neglected to mention. Um, she gets a super baby. It's exactly yeah. what happens when you eat or drink anything you're not supposed to when you're pregnant. So pregnant women, <laughs> <laughs> ignore all the raw shellfish uh, warnings. You will have a super child. Yeah, you will. Yeah, basically what happens uh, is that she ends yeah, up having no. a premature birth, but her, her daughter, Alia, gets all of the powers that a uh, reverend mother would have. So she gets an insane amount of superpowers. 
Oh, yeah, she's the Muppet Baby's Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, aside from the prophecy that her uh, brother has and stuff like that, she would yes. totally be, like, the powerful one. A hundred percent, yeah. Except that he's the one that's Oh, yeah, no, she is the... She's, yeah. like, kind of what he was supposed to be. Right, originally, uh, they, like, Jessica and Duke Leto were supposed to have... A daughter. A daughter, and then that would lead to the most powerful Bene Gesserit. And uh, she would marry a yeah. Harkonnen. Right, and that would, like, unite their families and end this feud and blah, 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 blah. But since she chose to have... Have a male heir she had Paul and it just so happens that she incidentally you know birthed the Messiah and, and also, also this superpower right and also the second prophecy yeah. yeah yeah so you really can have it all her vagina is like the yard birds <laughs> <laughs> everybody in that thing was just like so talented <laughs> um, so Jessica becomes a new Reverend Mother for the Fremen, and Alia is born. We just kind of gloss over that, even though it's just mentioned. Also, in this whole thing is the whole like Paul choose your name, and he's like, "What do you call the second mountain shadow on the or the, the, the mountain shadow on the second moon?" Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think in the book it's couched a little differently because basically it's they have the same word for a uh, uh, a desert mouse, and also it's a constellation. But so he takes that as his name. Does he get married to Johnny? Johnny. No, they just have a tour affair. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah. And it's in that tour affair. There's like a montage sequence. Yeah. And it correctly predicts Comic Lachlan's sex scene from Showgirls that'll be coming in a couple decades. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Paul starts to become a leader of the Freeman. Very like, quickly in the film. He but, says his big yeah, line of he who can destroy a thing controls it. You know, Which is a wonderful concept. He talks about how they're going to take over spice production from everybody. Yeah, and he and tells... And uh, it to a halt. And he starts training the Fremen in using the Weirding Way. He yeah. trains a hundred and those hundred train the rest of the thousands. Yeah, the, the Weirding Way is a pyramid scheme. Actually, yeah. it's an obelisk scheme. Oh, because there's actually yes. a big stone obelisk. Yeah. And I really like this scene. It's really really fun because he's like this is made of your hardest stone and my you know me being like super annoying guy was like if it's so hard how come they fucking how'd they carve into a fucking obelisk yeah yeah because uh, it's, it's a perfect pyramid it's a perfect, you know, perfect is, pointy pyramid he's like you you know Rafi come forward this is your hardest material kick it <laughs> and the guy kicks it he really does and oh, he's yeah. like puts his back into it and everything yeah nothing really happens and then he's like punch it <laughs> he punches it nothing really happens he goes yell at it and, then, <laughs> and the guy laughs he's like alright then he goes like <laughs> which I thought was great. And like, I don't know who that actor was. I don't know. I don't know that character, but yeah. like props it, for that. Action. Yeah. And then uh, he has somebody come forward with like a fucking laser cutter. He's like, cut it. And like, it doesn't work. And then he fucking, the, the weirding way involves a weird little like pyramid sort of gun thing. Yeah, and I, then a collar with an amplifier thing. So yeah. Uh, and, and he teaches them like the killing words. Like, yeah. Well, like, I think he says some thoughts have a certain sound. Yeah. Some yes. thoughts have a certain sound. Which is and like, through, such a cool concept. Yeah. Yes. And through sound form. Yeah, it's real cool. And so they're all going like, ki And like, stuff's exploding. And like, habook! Or whatever. And shit's exploding. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's right? like, you're going to use sound and you're going to... You're just going like to be a that. badass. You're going you're gonna to yeah. rock yeah. their socks off. Yeah, but it's in that much. moment that he finds out that yeah. Maudib... One of them goes like, hey, hey Maudib! And then it like echoes like, Maudib. And his fucking like gun thing like vibrates. And then it like explodes like a whole chunk of a wall. And he goes... My name is a killing word. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. And I love that that's like his signal from the universe. Like it's time for you to drink the water of life. My well, man. so before that, he gets uh, into writing the worm, which is a bigger deal in the yes. book. But and, they do pay attention to it here. But like it it's, happens so easily. Yeah. And yeah. like if we're being 100% honest, like it doesn't look great. 
No. No. It's conceptually it's the, great and the way it's depicted in the book is really cool and like practical effects they work, but they're not great. It's just okay. My problem with it wasn't the way that the, the special effects came out or anything, because you know, it's whatever. It came out in eighty four. I'm willing to suspend yeah. a whole bunch of my disbelief. My problem is that he just like strolls up to the largest sandworm anyone's ever seen, sticks a shovel in it. Yeah, it's a, so it's and then climbs thing. up. Yeah, and it's that's so thing. easy for him. Yeah, is my problem. The worms are plated, so you know, like an armadillo or something. So each yeah. plate like goes under the one before it. So he jabs this thing into like the space between plates, and it sort of like wedges one open and uses the pressure from it trying to like push itself closed again to like lock in, and so then he can just hold on to this uh, pike thing, which then the worm like instinctively like rolls him up onto the top. Yeah. Which I was just like, I don't remember how that's explained in the book. Uh, they they do do a long yeah. segment about, like... Oh, yeah, there's yeah. a lot more devoted yeah. to explaining how the worms work and this uh, ceremony and everything else, but... Yeah. And then he's got some rope, and he throws some rope. The worm has some... Uh, some nose holes, Yeah, he's got guess? some hook and eye uh, sort of shit, so he can put some grappling hooks in there, and then he's just like, Look, I'm doing it! Hey, everybody! Yep. I'm riding the worm now! And it's just like, yay! And then Hurley comes up to join him for no real reason other than to just, like, put a hand on his back and be yep. like, I'm proud of you. Good job. Son. So we kind of gloss over Alia's growing up and the training and stuff like that. Well, we did the film does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yes, yes. Oh, but because uh, Paul performs so admirably and, and also, like, yeah, rides the biggest worm anyone's ever seen and all that, they do, Not like, that comparing a... sizes, but it is the biggest anyone had ever, ever seen. seen. It is the Woman Defoe's penis of sandworms. Does Willem um, Dafoe have a notoriously large penis? Yep. Apparently. I just found this out. I think I talked about that it in the previous sense, episode. That makes sense, given his... I don't Everything. know, his personality. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, so apparently <laughs> in uh, Von Trier's uh, Antichrist, yes. when there's uh, shots of him with uh, no pants on, you see his penis, they had to get a smaller stunt penis because people were like, it is distracting. <laughs> <laughs> Which I fucking love. That's wonderful, man. Hashtag and I love, life goals. Yeah, I love the idea well. that Willem Dafoe's like, oh, I'm sorry, Lars. I just I can do I can do something I can do about it. It's just, it's just the way God made me. Grandma's got some newton to do. Grandma's got some newton to do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then he realizes that it's time for him to drink the water of life. Because he has no more visions of his future. Yeah. Everything yeah. future for him is black or dark. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. So, so, he, so he, he doesn't know if he will survive, but he knows that, uh, you know, that's what he, he has to yeah, do. Yeah, he, he, he'll have no, he has no destiny now unless he attempts to be what he may become. Yeah, so he tells Chaunty that Sleep he has to drink the water, water of life. life, and she's like, no, you can't. And he's like, I have to. And, and then so, she goes, okay. Yeah, yeah, she's like, all right. So, yeah. what is this thing? They take him out to the dunes. Yeah, and so basically, the they water of life they is. They tie a, him up. Yeah, I guess because flailing. I guess. Is a thing? Yeah. I don't know. Well, so here's the thing. So when, when his mother drinks the water of life, it's in a cave, and then we gloss over that, and we tell, we say she had a baby, and then we see him, and I was just like, I thought it'd be in the cave, too. Well, no. Hers was part of a ceremony of kind of like a passing of the torch from the Reverend Mother to her becoming the new Reverend Mother. Yeah, but it's the same thing. He's, no, he's just kind of doing it to do it, and yeah. usually dudes die. So yeah. I think they were just kind of like, yes, yeah, sure, whatever. Just in case. Take him out of the yeah. desert. Take I don't want to clean it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sandworms will get you. Yeah. Much like... Uh, That's a worm's problem. When, now, when, that is. when he was doing the hand in a box thing and stuff, and they're like, you know, oh, they don't do it to male children and stuff. Oh, that's my favorite they Allison call, Chainsaw. Her mother calls Jessica in, and she comes in and goes, oh, he's still alive. And it's kind of like, yeah, she was calling you in to take care of a body. 
And I think that's one of those things where they're like, well, we don't want to have to drag this body out to the desert, so just have them do it there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The water of life is blue. It's like some... Uh, it's Curacao like, or whatever. Well, it's some yeah, unadulterated yeah, bit of young worms or something. Or, yeah, I missed they, the yeah, they, they, they talk, they talk about, about it? They talk about that. what There's it is, and line. I forget. Oh, and, yeah. and they talk about what it is in the book, and I forget. Yeah. But yeah, basically okay. it, it bestows upon you the wisdom of the universe except that it's stupidly poisonous and will probably kill you. So, it's the you know. bile of young worms? Is that what it is? Something Okay, like but that. see, here's my question. So the water of life can only be got on Arrakis as well, then? Yeah. If yeah. it's from the worms. Yeah, the, 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 the Bene Gesserit, I believe, like, are centered yeah. on Arrakis. The water of life is uh, the bile of... But it can be shipped of... off, I mean. Sure. Importer, exporter. My, my question is just, like, how can... So if this life-changing substance is the bile of a worm, yeah, right? the and there's another the life-changing substance that also exists on this planet, and no one has made the correlation that maybe it's also from the worms. Yeah, only the That's incredibly the prescient Paul is like, they might be related. Yeah. But also, I don't think that water of life is a thing that, A, most people know about, and B, even less people, I think, have access to. I think only oh, if you're sure. familiar with the Bene, the Bene Gesserit do you even know about it, and only if you are one do you have access to it. I just figured it would it's be kind of somewhere like the, in Bene Gesserit tradition or knowledge yeah. somewhere that it's like, yeah, worms make spice, duh. You know? Yeah. Like, if they're the space witches of the universe... And have been for hundreds of years. I feel like one of them would be like, well, let me do, you know, yeah, you know, I'm going to do some experiments on this worm. Yeah, just going to see what happens. Hey, you know, guys, hey, other judges, uh, I was thinking that um, I think maybe the spice and the worms. Is Shut the, up! No, no, you're wrong. No, but no, no, uh, no, but no. I, oh, okay. There we go. All right. There you go, Denise. Learn your place. <laughs> Denise, Denise, the show's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, spinoff. Let me direct it. I will write it in direction. <laughs> David Lynch will be in it. Yeah. So I want the want. I want the prequel story of how David Lynch ended up in that five time. Yeah. But yeah, like we'll played by eighty five year old David Lynch. <laughs> Like, I'm a young man. I've never tried spice before. <laughs> and then the next time we see him, he's... I need to get a job to support my family. Because the spice does prolong your life, right? Yeah. That could be canon. Yes. We could make that yeah. canon. We could make that we canon. We could. You guys are getting some real good world building right now. Coming summer 2020, Denise, the shunned Bene Gesserit. <laughs> a Dune spinoff. So niche. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. It's like, I like this idea. Yes. I'm going to call it. No idea what he sounds like, so I'm just giving him a general accent. Just suave. Yes. Yeah. So he drinks the water, kind of falls back. Everybody's like, well, he's dead. The worms come and are kind of yeah. doing a little worm dance worm around dance. him. Oh, yeah, it's the worm dance! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. That's where it, he also has the revelation that spice comes from worms in yeah. this yeah. dream. Yeah. He, he realizes yes. that everything's connected. And he um, um, he accesses a thing that his uh, his mother had told him. Is it right? No, it was the, the evil reverend mother that hangs out with the emperor told him. There's, oh. There's, because when she, when he puts his hand in the box. It was in the box. She tells right. him that there's this space that women are afraid to look at. Yeah. The yeah. Bene Gesserit women can't look at it or it rejects them or something it's not quite clear why they don't yeah there's a callback to it later but i think it's one of those yeah. things where it's like well the weird thing is the callback later is he says if you look at that place you're afraid to well, it you says, will it see says, me staring back um it says that there's a place they're afraid to go 
And yes. I think when she says it early, it's implied that it's a physical place and that this is supposed to be kind of a low-key, like, revelatory moment that it's it's a mental it's a, Yeah, place. mental or spiritual oh. place. It's a, like a, it's a religious plane yeah. almost. Yes. And, it's a level and, they can't get. Yeah. it's also reasserting that the... Kisa uh, Tadarak. Uh, exactly. Is going to be the one to go further than the Bene Gesserits can. Right. But yeah, the worms come. He starts crying blood a bit. Yeah, yeah um, that's cool. Blood here. That we, was cool. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. We, we cut over to his mother and his sister who have crazy all, nosebleeds. All the Bene Gesserits have yeah, that fucking all, Professor X yeah. uh, yeah. psychic all, feedback all headache nosebleed. Oh, yeah, awesome. just, they all yeah. turn into 11 immediately. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get these people some waffles. It's me, yeah. Minor Alan Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> I was rescued earlier and now I've just been making waffles. <laughs> Such a good, it's like, it's back matter on the DVD that's just like, Alan Smithy's adventures. But yeah, um, (laughs) and he hella hasn't died and instead sits up. Nope. And Chauncey is like... He's blue-eyed as fuck now. Yeah. The spice and Chauncey's like, Paul, and he starts doing another father! Father! The sleeper has awakened! Yes! Yeah. Fucking rock I feel roll. like it should have felt like a cool moment, but yeah, it felt it, super lame. It, it felt, it it felt it, flat. I, 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 yeah, it I felt like super idea, flat. I kind of like the idea that all the forever are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> well, I mean, seems, and then they remember that he can blow them up with his Yeah, mind. they're like, is he a new the, god? The litany of fear is a bigger deal in the books and yes. it's more badass and doesn't quite come across here. And oh, actually, I think the Litany of Fears, yeah. it or, seemed really cool to me. Yeah, or more poignantly, um... I think the Litany of when, Fear holds up in this. I think the box as a thing is, is a little less defined yeah. in this than it is in the book. Oh, yeah. Alright, but then also it kind of remind me of uh, when we saw Dark Tower and everything and that the uh, the Gunslinger Litany is like a big goddamn deal in the books. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of wished it came across a little bit more in the movies. Like, yeah. if you've read yeah. the There's books, no you reverence. get it. But yeah, like... It's, yeah, honestly, it's... the problem with the Dark Tower movie is similar to the problem here. There's less world building, but they're trying to cram too much so from much. too and it's just one vast a field into one film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. So how long? It was 84 so, until 2018 they announced uh, that Denis Villeneuve would be directing the Dune remake. Is this year? It was last year? Yeah, it might have been so, 2017 that it was so announced. So 30, 34 years or so, is that right? Yeah. All right, so in 34 years we'll get a Dark Tower movie from a, a hot visionary director who will actually probably do a good job. Right. I'm glad you think I'm hot. Good to... Oh, you're going to do it? Uh, that's, that's your timeline? <laughs> yeah, just, 34 years? Yeah. Sure. Just put me in there. Give me the money. Just put me in a, there. You'll be a visionary director? Yes. No. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to direct. I just yeah. write and I act. All, I all actors want to I don't direct. know how many ideas I have, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how many I would qualify as visionary. I have too many ideas. That's the amount of ideas that I have. Well, the same. Visionary. Good yeah. idea. Let's, yeah. Be, let's be like the Lord and Miller. We'll, we'll just we'll write together and direct together, and then we'll get thrown off a Star Wars movie, and it'll suck. Oh, shit. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, around this time, finally, we're ready to go and attack the Harkonnens. Yeah, we have a we have oh, yeah. an we, army yeah, of we have an mental army. sound warriors. We have some... Uh, yeah, they are sand. big into sounding. Yeah. Yes, Wait. <laughs> um. <laughs> Don't Google that. Or do. Live your yeah. life. Yeah, whatever. 
Um, I don't know what that is, so <laughs> I'm going to Google it after, and I apologize? Um, I don't know. Apologize to yourself. I apologize like you to said, myself right now. Like you said, I apologize, and I don't know if it picked up, but there was like a roll of thunder. Yeah, yeah there was. Prophetic. Um, um, yeah, maybe yeah. We had a montage we got, of We them. got these guys, we got these sandworms, we got, you know, uh, uh, Messiah, blue-eyed, you know. Well, this is, uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're they're, yeah. they're blowing up all the Harkonnen, like, outposts. They're stopping spice production because, again, you know, who he controls the spice controls the universe, and they, if you can destroy a thing, you can control Control it. it, and the emperor will notice that spice production has stopped. That's yeah, like, yeah. That's because that's how point. everyone gets anywhere. Right. So now yeah. we're gonna do a big assault. Well, so they. This is when he reunites um, with Gurney Halleck, Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. oh. who now has a yeah. mullet. No. <laughs> yes, he I'm, does. I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. You are correct. We're almost done. Yeah. I mean, this is we're the done. But I do like the moment in this where. He's like, Gurney! And, you know, he's got the Gurney, Halleck's got his gun pointed at Paul, and Paul's got his gun pointed at him, and he's like, Paul? And he's like, do you not trust your eyes? And then they hug. Meanwhile, in the background, you can hear that the two sides of their army are still killing each other. And nobody's like, oh, everybody, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, I know this guy. I'm sure that moment happened. Just yeah. Like, you know, I just 30 was, seconds after a cut was called. Yeah, it was very funny to Maybe. me. Maybe. And that's when they, yeah. No, they, they fucked off to get a beer and everybody else just everyone died. Everyone just died. And they were like, oh, Patrick Stewart's yeah. like, my bad. He's like, Paul, well, tell me how you've been, my son. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, come this way. Oh, God! I'm being shot! Oh, he blow me up with words? Well, don't worry about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, then they launched. They launched the big assault on the Harkonnen headquarters, which was the Atreides. Because like, the Emperor has come to the Harkonnen yeah, power. It finally yeah, works. Spice production is yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, spice production has ceased so much that the Emperor took notice, and the Emperor showed up, and he's got those fake Borg guys from the Union or whatever it was the Guild. The Guild. And then yeah, the, the Space Goober. Guild. He's the there. Guild. The Space Goobers here, and everybody showed up, and then. Um, uh, Alia just walks into the throne room. Well, okay, so, yeah, before that, you know, we have the, the worm sign thing. Yeah, that great one. Yes, they're getting so ready. Good. Worm sign the likes of which God himself has never seen. Yeah, because they're... It's so good. It's so much fucking gravitas in that line. It's barbaric. Yeah, they're massing Yeah, that should have been your father. They're massing their army. They're going to attack the barrier with atomic weapons. Atomics. Yeah, Uh, yeah, just atomics. Yeah, they keep referring to it as atomics, which is cool. Yeah. While that's all happening, uh, the emperor is there. He tells them to bring in that floating fat man. The baron. (laughs) Yeah. As preface. if we didn't know who the floating fat man was. I like the idea that That's one of the it. Harkonnens is out there, like, pointing at a row of floating fat men, like, oh, it's a baron. It's yeah. that one on the end. Yeah, Bring that one on the end down. Well, so first off, he, he it's it's his son or whatever was in charge. Who? The baron's son. No, it was his nephew. nephew? The, yeah. the plumper. The yeah. Noxting. Um, Raban. Yeah. yeah. Noxting. Was yeah. in charge, except that the emperor had him executed and has his head on a spike in front of the throne he's yeah. on or whatever. So the baron's like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. The damn nephew! Yeah. <laughs> Perfect inflection. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, pretty it's, good. It's a really good head. Yeah, it's a good fake head. Oh yeah, a great yeah. fake head. Yeah. It's really, it's really very good. Yeah. It's true. So the the emperor goes off on this whole thing of like your incompetence has summoned me to Arrakis and blah blah blah. Jose Ferrer, this is great. This is yeah. like his. Like I said, he has one scene in the beginning, and he has, he shows up briefly like in the middle, but then he has like a big scene at the end. And uh, he's great. He, yeah, he's great. Yeah. He, command, he commands your attention on screen. So you went for the Emperor of the yeah, Known Universe. Yeah, it is. It's a really good casting for the Emperor of the Known Universe, which is such a cool title. Yeah. It's like the man that gravity forgot. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a wrestler named Neville. That's his uh, epithet. Yeah, it's the man that gravity forgot. That's so good. It's cool. He's a great right? high flyer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. I'll show you his finisher after we wrap. It's called the Red Arrow. Uh, we'll put that in the feed. I'll put a, a, a clip of Neville doing the Red Arrow. That's it's awesome. awesome. Um. So yeah. Uh. The Baron and the Emperor and have like, a little scene together yeah, where the Emperor good. basically rips him a new one verbally. Oh yeah. Not literally, but I, the distinction no, has that's... to be made because this gets a little brutal sometimes. Yep. Um. And it's coming. Uh, yeah, yeah it is. And uh, Alia shows up, and she's yeah. like, "Hey, Al- how's it going?" Yeah, Alia. Hey, talk my voiceover with the with the child with an actor. Yeah, doing a young little voice. Yeah, yeah, so it's actually not obvious. as helium infused as Hunter's no, name it's, it sounds. It's, it's a believable like child voice. It's just you can tell it's not real. And then yeah. she uses the voice, the the, uh, the yeah, the because the um the Reverend Mother with the Emperor is like, get this abomination out of here! Yeah. And this tiny little six-year-old is like, bitch, shut up! Yeah. And like, yeah. the deepest voice ever. And yeah, it it's is. wonderful. It's awesome. And yeah. she's just like, oh, shit! Yeah, like, literally, like, kind of knocks her back. Also yeah. notable is Alia's kind of dressed up like she's a reverend mother, because she yeah, yeah. basically is. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, got, yeah. The, she's got the, the hat full garb and, cloak, and everything. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, who makes a nun habit for a six-year-old girl? Like, how is that? Who sewed that for it, you? It's like, it's like the fucking Dalai Lama. True. Yeah, yeah. They make they make the Dalai Lama garb for you know little six year old Dalai Lama. But yeah, so Ali, she knocks the Ali basically mother. yeah shows yeah. up and goes like my brother's gonna kick your ass. Yeah, and um the Emperor of the Known Universe. Uh, it's the whole title. You gotta say it. it's like you uh, do, you do. Yeah, it's a Tribe Called Quest before. So the Emperor of the Known Universe commands Baron Harkonnen to kill Alia, and she just uses the voice on him. She goes, "Wait for my brother." And she doesn't even say that though. She just does. She does that in her head. Oh, that's right. Oh, she yeah. just makes him stop, but she yeah. thinks, "Wait for my brother." Yeah, yeah. It's actually, like, she does a lot of mental yes. talking at people. Yeah, yeah she does. Because um, she's which is why the Jedi is. Yeah, you yeah. could have gotten away with yeah. just the internal monologues because we get so much exposition that way. You could have made that consistent, and then yeah. by the time we get people who can like read minds and tell people what to do with their mind, it would have been a really cool reversal of like. This device that I thought was just for narration and exposition is actually part of the storytelling. That's yeah. actually, yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. You know, that would be yeah. a very cool thing. Take notes, Denis Villeneuve. That's all <laughs> I'm gonna say. Yeah, like honestly, like that would I be have a, high expectations. That would be a cool thing that you may not even notice upon even like your viewing. first viewing. Yeah. yeah, but that like yeah would would reveal itself. Like, oh shit! I just realized that this makes sense because that yeah that's actually that'd be so cool. Yeah, and then we start a big crazy battle, and it's... Well, the battle's been going on outside, but yeah. it, it continues. Yeah. Um, and again, the effects are not that great. There's some cool... It's very Moonraker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's It's, it's yeah. his reach yeah. is out, outseeding its grasp. And, like, it's not it's not bad. It's not good. No, yeah. but, like, imagine if the Hobbit yeah, the Battle of Five uh, Armies was done in 1984. I was gonna say, like, yeah, we're not, like, we're not talking about the Lord of the Rings here. It's people riding on enormous, you know, <clears> desert worms. Um, they're blowing stuff stuff up with using sound and using their mind, you know, like there's battling armies, it's like, it's there's stuff falling out of the skies. It's so But at the much, same time, yeah. I don't think there's a single shot in that whole sequence where there's like more than twenty guys on like no, on the screen. largest yeah. thing you, you know, get it doesn't is seem yeah. that big. The group, because like the sandworms are enormous, and yes. there's uh, a group of guys on Muad'Dib's largest lead sandworm. 
Yes. Um, and they're all firing their <laughs> things at all the Harkonnen soldiers and stuff, and they're trying to, you know, blow them big. But, like, yeah, that's the most yeah. guys you get on screen at any time. Usually they, it's, it's one main character close, like, in the foreground of the shot, and then they are clearly green screened in over footage of a group of nobodies in the background. Yes. Just army In front of another blue screen. Yeah. Of, of the desert. The desert. You're exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you get layers of it yeah. in that sequence. And, and that's rough. when it becomes it's really rough. It's sloppy and it's fake. And yeah. in a thing that's supposed to be your your key piece, your set piece, you know, yeah. for your third act, it feels like low budget. It feels disappointing, yeah. like a mm-hmm. letdown. They and did, it's messy. They... And like again, not to shit on David Lynch, just like why would I? He's a genius. So, but like it's not his forte. Like large scale things, Grant. Like yeah. he's a close up director. Yeah, his know? version yeah. of large scale is a slow motion atomic bomb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. His yeah. his large scale is about concept. It's yes. not about depiction. They, they did make some attempts to write around it because you have the sandworms that are too huge to even really see the people riding on them. Yes. And you had people within uh, the Emperor's Golden Pyramid manning, like, cannons. Yeah, that's a cool... I just want to so, mention, it doesn't make any sense, but it's cool conceptually is that yeah. they are on this thing. It is... A four-sided rotating thing, kind of the way um, a submarine's uh, viewfinder periscope periscope works. But they're all sitting on, like, a seat on each side of it, and they're all controlling guns on part of the airship. It looks like a weird arcade game. Yeah, it looks like a crazy arcade game. It's like four motorcycle arcade controls. It's four motocross. Attached to each other. A central pillar. It doesn't make any sense logically, because they're all controlling guns that are on the same side of a thing. Yeah, so the rotating doesn't make sense. They could, be, they could be stationary because they're basically looking at screens anyway. Yeah, it's it, but it's fun. But it's, it's fun. fun it's fun. Like it. It's steampunky. It's fun. And it makes those shots more interesting. Yeah, because the camera's yeah. stable. And and so, so I mean, like intellectually, more. yeah, you have like some people doing uh, artillery, and then you also have some foot soldiers versus like this army that's got these worms and you know people yeah. riding on and stuff. And so it's a lot of the big, weirding way. Yeah, so it's yeah. got a lot of big things happening that, like, you couldn't possibly see even in wide shots. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a little cheap. And yeah. And it looks Yeah, but I mean, like... It's, you know, but no, I mean, I mean like, now... I don't judge you on your mise-en-scene, and for a lot of those shots, there's just not a lot to look at, even though it's a large-scale battle. No, and they're very repetitive shots. It's yes. like, okay, now yeah. it's uh, Chani in the foreground. Now it's, you know, Patrick Stewart. Now, now it's, it's five unnamed extras in Harkonnen battle gear. Right, yeah. and like, they're in the foreground with stuff yeah. happening, but, and it's always with the same, like, bad blue screen or green screen, you know, and you're just like, alright, yeah. But then... You, you get Hunter's favorite thing, which is uh, Alia. Uh, oh, well, oh, so they, they blow a hole in the side yeah. of the pyramid. Yes. And that's okay. when she's like, because she keeps cutting to her and she keeps saying, like, wait for my, wait brother. For my brother. And then they blow a hole in the side of the pyramid and she fucking, like, force pushes a uh, big old floaty... She takes out his little, his little yeah. heart key. Yeah. He's got, like, two, I yeah. think. Well, no, everyone well, so, has okay. two. So I thought that those things were to man his propulsion system because he starts going off the charts after that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really sure. So I thought it was. So that, she she swipes I'll, with a dagger, yeah, and I'll, I thought she cut open his suit to get to his heart. No, it's team. not a dagger. It's yeah. that weird yeah, poison no, finger. No, she's yeah. got a dagger. She has a dagger, but later. But so the thing is, she slashes him across the face with that poison finger thing that Paul Trees yeah. gets threatened with with the box, and she rips tubes out of his midriff, which I thought would, then made him unable to control yeah. his propulsion system. Which sure. makes sense. Um, so he flies out of the hole and gets eaten by a worm. Yeah. Yeah, oh man, it's And beautiful. then Alia it's does wonderful. this really sick slow motion battle pose with a dagger. She, so she scampers out of the yeah. hole in the wall. 
And it's like, again, like, if the Emperor wanted to kill her, it's like, it's, she's a six-year-old. Yeah. Like, trying to climb out of this battle hole in this But wall. she's also a six-year-old that could, like, make eye contact with you and you would blow up. Yeah, yeah she can, like, oh, scanners but, you, man. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, when she gets out of the desert, she does, it's basically, um, uh, what's-her-face from, uh, Firefly and Serenity. It's basically, oh, yes. like, her weird, like, yeah. posing with the bladed weapons thing, yeah. but it's like this six-year-old, and I was like, that's fucking... Awesome. It is really it's cool. It's so cool. It's really cool. R- no. River, yeah. 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 It's River doing, like, the crazy, like, slow fucking... Or, honestly, a lot of action things, there's some of that in the Matrix of, like, yeah. like Trinity doing, like, a thing while the motorcycle explodes or whatever, and just... That's definitely a pose that Elektra has had. It's so balls out ridiculous. It's great. Um, so now, uh, this is when Muad'Dib uh, enters the throne room yes. to talk to yes. the Emperor of the Known Universe. Yeah. And, yeah, he does the verbal smackdown on uh, the Bene Gesserit. Gesserit. Gesserit lady. Jesuits. Um, <laughs> it's a real thing. I know, yes. I know. Yes. But, yeah, where he's like, you know, try looking in that place you dare not look. You will see oh. me looking back at you. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, she's like, oh. And then that's kind of it for, for her. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, that's just it. Yeah, yeah, she's like, fuck. She's like, this whole family is too powerful yeah, for Yeah, she's just like, fuck you. And he's like, shut up. But she's like, okay. Yep. Yeah. Like, well, he is not kidding. I don't really have a choice in this matter anymore, so. No, and, okay. And then Sting's like, you're an ass. And he's like, oh, there's a Harkin in here. And then he's like, let's knife fight. Yeah. Yep. Here's my excellent, <clears throat> excellent Sting joke. Ready? Maudib. <laughs> You have to fight Sting in a knife fight. That's beautiful, oh, man. Yeah. That was so worth the wait. Yeah, that really you. was. Thank you. Oh, round of applause. He's oh, clapping himself. We joined on because we want to be supportive. <laughs> I'd buy that single if you were. Oh, oh, yeah, man. I want that cover. Put it on Facebook. I dare you. I might. But yeah, they have their, their, their knife fight and... Uh, so it's more of a thing in the book. I remember this. Oh yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. And again, like I think, I think they're naked or less dressed, or maybe I'm just uh, projecting. Projecting. Yeah. 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 The thing I was gonna say rich. is, it's more of a thing in the book, but Fade always uses this like secret dagger that's hidden in his clothes. Yeah. So yeah. It, it seems like this fucking fair, you know, every each of us have had one knife, you know, knife fight, but he has this like secondary spring-loaded blade that's poison-tipped and everything, and it's it's hidden like in his clothes. Because again, uh, yeah. machinations oh, and lots of poison. Usually, the way it works is like, yeah, you get locked where it's blade to blade kind of and they're trying to you know out muscle each other and then he like will knee his opponent with his poison blade and that's how he wins mm. yeah but um Muad'Dib is you know aware of this so he thinks to himself I will bend like a reed in the wind and so he just basically does a fucking like oh. WWE takedown and he rolls over it yes. and then he pins him with a knife okay. and kills him and just that stabs him up yep. through the oh, chin in the, in yeah. fucking yeah. Gross. right in the throat up into his brain very David yeah. Lynch directorial yeah. decision yeah. of like, like I'm gonna the make this the most thing violent thing I can. Like his mouth's a little bit open and you yeah. can kind of like, almost the imagine blade. seeing the blade. I don't uh, know if you actually even do. It's just yeah, maybe you know where imagined it. You, you know, know where, where it is. is. Yeah. You know where it is. It's in his fucking head. Yeah. It's disgusting. I love that Hella, line. Dude. I will have been like a reed in the wind. Yeah. I yeah. Wish it had very Dow. Yeah. Well, I wish it had been like introduced earlier. That's what I think in the book. I believe it's like a lesson he learned earlier because it sounded like um it has the cadence. Of being a callback to something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My thought. I can't think of a perfect example, but for some reason, the only thing that's floor stuff maybe. Well, the only thing that's coming to mind for me of of an example of like what I wanted it to be in film was when um, 
in Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade where he goes the penitent man kneels before the penitent kneels a penitent man and like there's that like that one line reading he gives where he's like oh I got it yeah the subtext of it and that's what I got on I will bend like a reed in the wind and I was like did that I love this line. I love this reading, but also I feel like you're calling back to something yeah. that I just haven't seen. So it may it may have made cutting room floor impossible, it just not been included. I who can who can say? But, but it's a great line. Yeah, but I believe it's in the book there's like uh, another litany of like things you must learn, you know, yes. that kind of thing. And slowly throughout the third act, he he's like, oh, I've learned this thing, I've learned this thing, and now he's like, you know, then he realizes that's my third lesson. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Defeats Sting in a knife fight, declares that he is the hand of God. Yeah, and then, yeah. then he fucking, then he uses the fucking, the killing word without the benefit of uh, that collar amplifier. thing or the gun. Oh, yeah. He just yells That's at true. Sting and it fucking like blows Sting's like chest open and crushes him into the ground and it's awesome. Yeah, yes. the ground cracks He uses open. the thum. It's incredible. Yeah, and then, yeah, then he blesses the rains down in uh, Africa. Iraq, Thank you, Toto. Africa. Bless the rain. And then it starts fucking down. pouring. Yeah, there is rain for the first time On fucking ever. ever. Yeah. I don't, there's no explanation. Like, I don't know if it's like, yeah. oh. I feel like at that point, he just becomes God. You know? Like, literally, you can bend space Well, down. also, again, like we explained uh, a good bit of the, like, ending, they kind of just chop out Absolutely. For time, maybe? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I... Because that's, that's it. It's it. raining, and then it just cuts to That's it. Yeah. It literally, it goes back to, like, one wide shot of, like, Paul Atreides and Chani and his sister and the Emperor of the Known Universe. It's like the shot where uh, Leia is giving uh, all the Star Wars guys medals yes. except for Chewie. It's like that. Uh, only you think that, like, we cut back and we're right, like, but oh, that's it's a raining. natural end point. Like, yeah. They, they've been rewarded for their service, and he's just like, well... I killed Sting. It's just over. He's just like, like, wait, dude, you gotta kill the Emperor, which apparently he doesn't do. But I'm still like, no, in the book it's political, because the Emperor isn't a bad guy necessarily. However, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think I wanted to say. Give us some closure. What are these characters? Like, I understand they're important in the novel, but in the movie they're just non-entities. Yeah. But also, you either get this or you get a long scrawl about the trade route. No, no, you just get that girl. Oh. You just get that, that lady. <laughs> so, she, the, the princess the... of the known universe just comes back and goes, and then he killed my dad and we got married. And yeah. This happened and, and then and she would have a reason for being our narrator. But, yeah, but I'm just there's saying. no closure. It's just yeah. like he kills the Baron Harkonnen who yeah. literally just got a dressing down from the emperor of the known universe so he, he's shown as being feeble kind yeah. of and not Yes, the big bad. Again, in script I, writing terms, there's a dragon and then there's your big bad. And Baron Harkonnen seems like the dragon. A hundred percent. Or or, I, or Sting uh, does, except he fought the dragon afterwards or something like Yeah. Which isn't a thing that you can't do, it's just weird. But like it just was like I don't I don't see where the big climactic like we did it. With that, but they were adapting it, and I think they were trying to put more emphasis on certain things, but didn't change enough yeah. to make that work. Or I don't know, maybe they were told to leave that open for a sequel. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah you never know. Yeah, they wanted it to be the next yeah. Star Wars trilogy. Who yeah. knows? They wanted everybody to be playing with little three and three quarter inch high, you know, Paul Atreides figures. Yeah. yeah. It's like, BOW! I've got the killing word! I'm Paul Atreides! Right. Yeah. Just like a tiny little action figure with like the lowest subwoofer possible. <laughs> he presses just like. 
I love that. <laughs> Give Allie the spice, and you press a button on the back, and her eyes glow blue. Yeah, Which pull out the little fucking look. heart plug and fucking like <laughs> squirts <laughs> out. Squirts out. <laughs> Sting is the only character that they sell multiple of his action figure, just so you can get regular Sting and underwear Speedo Sting. Yeah. Sting. yeah. I got the cat. Depending on how lazy <laughs> I get for Halloween. I got super Halloween. Oh my the god, cat. the cat. <laughs> so, right away in. Hunter, what did you think? This is ultimately disappointing. Yeah. As a as a as a film, and it's it's a tad too long. But I think you could do worse than watch this movie. I would say this is a recommend. It, it's bordering on a great watch, but I think you can enjoyably hate watch this movie. I think you you know can know go into it knowing it's not gonna scratch all the itches you want. It's not gonna make a hundred percent sense. But there's so much here that's good. I mean, performance wise, there is, and also, but like visually, it's just like. It's yeah. so good. There's so much to look at. You can enjoyably hate watch this. Mm-hmm. That would be my vote. It's a hate watch, but it's a good hate watch. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm also going to chime in with a hate watch. I picked this because it's one of the few David Lynch films I still have not seen. He is my number one filmmaker. Like, I look up to him so much. And so if you're coming in, if you're watching Dune because you're a David Lynch fan, yeah. it's a hate watch. Yeah. For sure. Because it doesn't feel yeah, like there are it doesn't feel of his style, yes. there are touches of David Lynch, yeah. the like the shot of the knife up Sting's face, the like introduction of our fizzy lifting Baron, yeah. terrifying. The dream sequences. Great. Like, there's a bunch. It's if you're looking for Lynch, you will find him. He's there, but it's yeah. I don't even know if the movie is too long because there's so much. I just think the editing and the pacing is really what made this film. This Two hours and 15 minutes movie. is like pretty normal. Yeah. I'm used to sitting through that. I just think it's it's the editing and the pacing that really takes it from yeah. a potential great watch to a hate watch. Yeah, because there are there are chunks of this movie that are like talking to somebody at a party about like something they know a lot about and you don't know anything about. And they don't feel and, like teaching you. No, and they're just dropping all this like terminology. Like if you guys ever bump into me at a party and I'm really drunk and I'm like, you guys are talking about aliens or magic or something, this is how you're going to feel. For- <laughs> Uh, so you open this up and I'm going to walk through that door. I'm just going to call it a watch. Uh, it's mm. verging on a hate watch. It depends on how recently you've read the book. Because I remember reading the book and then watching the movie within like a year or two of having read about it. Or read it. I didn't like the movie. And now having had a longer gap. Like I, I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, I was entertained. Yeah. yeah. But um, not because it was like a good movie, which is yeah, why I put it as a hate watch. Yeah, it's not, I've done worse it's things not a great time, adaptation. And I think mm. it was, yeah, again, they're trying to cram way too much mm-hmm. into it. Because it's, it's not a long book, but it's a dense book. So I, I'd say it kind of depends on how recently you've read the book. That's yeah. um, I enjoyed it a lot more having had some familiarity with the Dune universe, but not having all the nuances fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it lets I, you be a little more uh, forgiving with concepts and world building and it's easier in a book but, to say two years past yeah you know than it is a hundred percent well i mean it like, it, it's easy to do it in film it's just my problem with the way they did it was um it was said two years past instead of just like literally do a jump cut put some titles or yeah. something on the bottom right corner that says two years later well, that's and the thing like, is that's even quicker yeah yeah you know? the film is such a mess that yeah that it, like it it's couldn't it couldn't figure out which way to tell you the two years past because you had a narrator you had people stuck mm-hmm. in like all those things mm-hmm. that we talked about just yeah. all the time going it's, it's just Kyle McLaughlin thinking about how it's yeah. two years later yeah. I, like Can honestly you, I can't believe they, it's two years later yeah like if if he just said like i can't believe alia has grown so in two years 
Same as my relationship with Johnny has grown. Done. There you go. Yes. Yeah. I will script doctor your scripts. Call me. Email me. Stay tuned. 100%. So we've talked a little bit around this that... Uh, Denis Villeneuve. But yeah, uh, director of The Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 and the upcoming adaptation of Dune that he has said is going to be two films. And I think that's a very smart choice because to, to adapt just the book Dune into two films seems like the right length. I don't think it's quite enough for three films. Yeah, especially in a post-Hobbit world. I'm yeah. very skeptical of no, any book. You don't need to stretch. Three movies. Yeah. It yeah. would be nice to have, yeah, just a couple of things. Of like maybe we're in a trade guild meeting and stuff. We find out a little yes. more about yeah, how. Yeah, no. Even if you're creating scenes just to fill in yeah. narrative well, exposition and also, without having to resort to a narrator. Audiences exactly. now are more savvy. They're more used to these kinds of concepts than they were. Yeah, and, yeah. and Game of Thrones has introduced people to you know giving a shit about like trade embargoes and inter interpolitical relationships between whatever if he, if it's just sticks to two films for this like you know if they want to adapt further dune books into further movies whatever whatever but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but two movies of a reasonable two and just a little bit of change length two and change. seems reasonable for dune and yeah. i think you're not going to lose much but you're also not going to stretch too much hi hi it's allison and hunter breaking in to inform you that we will have new episodes every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday. That's every other Wednesday. Wednesday. Find us on iTunes or moviejohn.com under podcast. Bye. Bye. Uh, so, any final thoughts? Thank, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And here come the plugs. So, um, you can email the show, us, Hate Watch, Great Watch, at write Hate Watch, Great Watch, W R I T E H W G W at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on either Twitter or Instagram at HWGWpodcast. And you can uh, contact me as a freelance actor or writer at carterscotthorton.com. Um, that's how you can get my email. If you want to follow, I have a Facebook page. It's just Carter Scott Horton. And uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram handle is at baby underscore gap underscore model. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Make the spice flow. Make the spice flow. Yeah, anybody out there uh, looking to hire uh, Carter, Carter is available. I am. Uh, for he's, acting work. He's an actor. He's <laughs> yes. an actor, guys. <laughs> <laughs> also, he prefers uh, clothes-on roles. I do. So. But, like, I'm at a point in my career where if you're paying me, we'll talk about it. Yeah, listen, man. Do it now. CarterScottHorton.com. Send me an email, because for some reason, any stranger on the internet who finds my website can send me an email. This isn't the part where you plug it. We'll we won't give you plug time to plug it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I can plug. Yeah. I right. love this, guys. I Absolutely. know this will probably be cut, but I love this. I, my I mean, <laughs> listen to him. Praise us. <laughs> listen to how generous we'll just, we What are. a wonderful podcast. We'll just, we'll just put it all at the beginning to front load it so everybody's primed for Beautiful. It. <laughs> yeah.